0: Hello, you're listening to Taco Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And today's episode is our third and final parter of our Spring 2023 Anime Season Reviews. It's finally the, the final stretch is finally here. We have Skip and Loafer, Clueless First Friend, Cheat Skill, Reliana, Dead Mount Death Play, Marginal Service, U149, Mashal, Hell's Paradise, Gundam, Witch of Mercury, Kamikatsu, Insomniacs After School, Isekai Smartphone Question Mark. Yeah. I think you said it yeah the last time. <laughs> and then we'll talk a little bit about Sacrificial Princess, because that's still ongoing. But um, I guess we could talk about the uh, the Inukai-san's dog OVA, if you've watched that. I believe I did. I don't remember. You don't remember? <laughs> uh, it was just a... It was disappointing, is all I'll say. I mean, I don't, there's not really, like, deep was plot it, line was here, but the, very disappointing. Was
1: that swimming episode, yeah, the pool
0: episode yeah. and they had the festival
1: episode it was just like would have been come much on, it's rather OVA would have much rather them continue digging into what they were digging into so but like it's an OVA get crazy
0: like mm-hmm. this is what we buy the Blu-rays for <laughs> or not for anybody else that's not in Japan Uh anyways if you did buy the Blu-rays from Japan for Inukai-san's dog you got some you, you, you got some creds there get <laughs> <You got> some <laughs> massive creds there to go after that Anyways, yes, we're at otakispirit.com. That's where you can go for all of our links, social media links, all that good stuff. And, yes, our Discord at discord.otakispirit.com. I made a, I made a link for it. Or you can buy our merch at shop.otakispirit.com. All that stuff. But, yes, uh, definitely appreciate everybody that supports the channel, lets other people know about us. And, yes, those that support us on Patreon and all the other ways you can support us on our YouTube channel as a member. But, yeah, with all that said, are you ready?
1: I suppose
0: ready to wrap up this season and move on to the summer. Yes, I'm already behind, but that's usual when I'm trying to do like I'm behind of stuff.
1: I'm behind, but only because I was catching up on this stuff. Yeah, I got caught up on this on the shows that I had watched pretty quickly, but good. And I got a couple of the shows started. Chris
0: is no longer normie again. He's he's trying to reclaim his status as non normie again. <laughs> a weeb. Anyways, let's kick things off with Skip and Loafer, or Skip to Loafer. This one was streaming on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes, done by Studio PA Works, the source is a manga. These genres are comedy, romance, slice of life. Director Kotomi Dei worked on it, which they worked on Natsumi's Book of Friends. So, good stuff there. But yes, this one opens up with Mitsumi Iwakura, who is... Pretty much set in her ways. Like she's like, I got my entire plan set. I'm gonna go to Tokyo. I'm gonna get good grades. I'm gonna go to Tokyo University. I'm gonna become a lawyer. I'm gonna get into law, and I'm gonna become like a mayor. I'm gonna work on like depopulation uh, issues in in Japan, and then I'm gonna retire at home as the mayor, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna die as an old age and have my ashes spread over the lakes. And she's got it all planned out. But of course, when she gets to Tokyo, uh, she immediately gets lost. But thankfully, a guy named Sosuke Shima helps her out, gets her to school. You find out really quickly that Shima is like the opposite of her, where he's like doesn't want to care about things that much. But like he follows her all the way to the school, helping her get there. And then like kind of when she gets there, she does her opening speech that she was supposed to do. She had it all memorized and then she runs off and pukes. But um, <laughs> thus starts her life in Tokyo and going to school there. Uh, thankfully, she makes... She attracts people really quickly because Shima is a very good-looking guy. He's very popular. And, of course, he's kind of attracted to her and, and communicating with her. So it kind of draws people in. And over time, you kind of see as Iwakura sort of has a thing about her that she's, because she's a country bumpkin, she's from like the, out in the sticks, she's got like that, all those barriers that most people have in the big city, she doesn't really have. And so she's very, as Shima puts it, people find comfort in being around her. She's got like this aura about her that she's uh, accepted and so, whatnot. So even though a lot of people are kind of drawn to her because of her openness to everybody else, obviously the people around her clash heads with each other. And so you get a lot of people with facades, people that have uh, goals that require other people to kind of get stomped out of the way, all that kind of stuff. Like, for example, we have Igashira. is really obvious early on that she's using Iwakura in order to get close to Shima. And even tells, tells Iwakura not to trust Shima just to kind of create a divide between the two of them. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the the deal. And Iwakura slowly, slowly realizing that she's enjoying her time around other people, but she's failing to do her goals that she originally had. Uh, socializing takes time away from study and stuff. But, yeah, did you get a chance to get back at this one? Yeah. Good, good. What's your thoughts? I really, honestly... Is love- that Yuki? Is she sniffing at the door? Yuki, <laughs> she she only wants to be in here when I'm recording. Whenever Chris is here, Yuki, oh, come here, Yuki. I hear this sniff, sniff at the base of the door. Come here, girl,
1: good girl. So yeah, your your thoughts on Skip to Loafers? I really, truly, honestly, really love this show. It is very, its its story is very gentle, um, and it. It does have its its heavy points, um, but it didn't really kind of push those too far. It it really did kind of just small uh, miscommunications here and there, and then uh, eventually they just hash it out and it and it gets solved fairly quickly. And I really did enjoy it. it it's just sunshiny uh, effect that they had a, along the along the storyline. Um, it, it did have a lot of. Um, friendship bonding and 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 just really well done i i i did truly enjoy
0: it a lot i think that's the nice thing about it is it's got it's got a very much so vibrant look to it when i first seen it i was like this doesn't look like pa works um but obviously looking at the manga i'm like okay that's that's the style that's literally the style of it Um, because early on when i seen the pvs i'm like this looks very flat it doesn't look like your typical pa work stuff but i think it kind of lends itself to the show itself it's a very, uh, very bright, very vibrant show. It's very warm and welcoming. Um, and that kind of encompasses Iwakura as a character is because she's very welcoming and acceptant of people. It's so interesting because early on, it really did feel like, okay, Iwakura is going to be like the the literal definition of oblivious <laughs> country bumpkin. Um, but I believe it's kind of a, a, a great way of encompassing the idea of that culture shock that you have going from a big city or going from, you know, a remote location to a big city. The, the people are much different. But what's really cool is that they have this aspect that she comes there and she's obviously shocked by this. Okay, wow, everybody's got these masks. Um, you have uh, Murashigaya is like, hey, look, you, you, don't, you do know that Igashira is using you, right? She's making fun of your dialect. Like she's, she's fooling you into not liking Shima. And is like, no, I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> like, oh crap. But it makes her start to question and thankfully she gets a phone call from her friend that she had growing up uh, back at her hometown and it was so cool because her friend literally tells her look because I think she asked something to the effect of you know you know how did we get to be friends or something like that and she's like well early on I didn't like you like she did not like Iwakura. so it's kind of that realization of like it, it feels like everybody back at my hometown everybody knows each other everybody's friends with each other but no actually there was a there was a rocky start with a my friend that I thought I've always been friends with and it sort of made her realize, you know, look, I don't want to prejudge people. I don't want to create these, these preconceived notions that I have, these people around me. I don't want to question Shima. Obviously, I question him, and I'm, I'm kind of feeling bad about that now. And so it kind of makes her more open to people, not, not judge and not put up those barriers that everybody else has. And again, that's what Shima realizes is so special about her. She is that type of person that draws people in because she's so welcoming and she's so non-judgmental. And I like that aspect of about her character. And again, I I like that despite that, you still have all the other characters conflicting. Like early on, you had uh, Murashige and her issues that she had with Kurume. Not really that, it was like the reverse. Kurume had issues with Murashige. Kurume is the nerd. She's the one with the glasses and everything. She has that bookworm look to her and she believes everybody that's pretty like somebody like Murashige is judging her. Oh, she's probably calling me a bookworm. She's calling me a nerd And at some point, is like, hey, I I know that you're uncomfortable with me being here, but I'm sorry about that. Like, it was like her apologizing for being, you know, misconstrued by her. It's like, oh, this kind of hurts. But I agree with you in the idea that I like that this show is never too much. This is not a melodramatic show. It has drama bits in it, but it's not melodramatic. It's more slice of life. And it's showing this segment of these people meeting each other, and the friends that you never expect to be friends, all because of her in the center. And that chemistry between each of them is really fantastic.
1: Well, even going into what you were mentioning earlier between um, Igashira and uh, Iwakura, and and how they were, she was kind of messing with her to get her to not like uh, Shima at first because she wanted to get closer to Shima. Um, and at some point, uh, doesn't Shima... Turn around and and look at Igashira and says, "Look, uh, stop trying so hard. Stop trying so just hard. Enjoy dude. your time." Yeah, the, it, she's, he's the one who kind of points out the fact that Iwakura is is just an open open just comforting warm blanket and everybody wants to be there. If you'll just stop and enjoy yourself for a little bi- a little while, you might actually find that you actually belong in this group. I like that aspect because it seems like all the
0: quote-unquote pretty characters of her group all the popular characters of her group Mm -hmm. each have like a they're each in a different stage of getting over that status requirement right igashira is dead in it and she wants it bad throughout the entire series it seemed like she's dead set on i need to get shima my her whole goal is i have to get this very popular boy because i've worked so hard for this it's a status to her that she wants it's not that she's in love with shima she, was, she wanted that status. Yeah. Now, eventually that can that changes, but I like that she's dead center in it. With uh, Murashige, she is just gorgeous, and so people used her to get into mixers and everything. She got pulled into situations. She didn't want to be a part of it. She got pulled into relationships, and it kind of burned her. With Shima, he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it, and thus he's pushing away from it. Each one of them is in a different stage of that status symbol that everybody wants a popularity in school. I love that aspect, getting those three different angles of it. And then mixed in there, having like the nerd character and all that other stuff. I think it's just a really nice mixture of each one of these types. Um, But yeah, it's, the characters are fantastic. (laughs) Full through, the character writing is fantastic. The chemistry is fantastic. Uh, Iwakura herself is just a dork and I love her for it. (laughs) i think from the opening scene seeing her doing a little flex while she's on the phone with her friend that she's gonna do a great job at school and she's got this future ahead of her um you're like yeah this this girl's gonna be an absolute dork and sure enough throughout the entire series she's just a dork and i think that's a refreshing thing she just she makes everybody realize what they're sort of missing in life or at least makes them kind of shake up their perspective so that they realize what's important like you like we were mentioning with with uh, shima saying look stop trying so hard. <laughs> like just enjoy it. Like she's she's literally standing <laughs> walking beside him trying so hard to get his attention. He's like, "You know, you can stop. <laughs> like yeah, I know what you're doing. Just stop." Uh, it's so good. Um just love it. Just a great cast of characters, uh good stuff. I think my so I'll get my negatives. I I finally, let's let's talk about a negative. I have one negative about the show. I really do hope this is not going to be your typical PA Works single core adaptation. They do this a lot. It's upsetting. I think the only thing that got a second season that they adapted was Eccentric Family, and that took forever, even that. Please, PA Works, if for some reason you're listening, please don't let this be a single core adaptation, because my one kind of beef that I have with it, and that's typical with a slice of life adaptation, you're not going to get the whole story, and I don't expect to get the whole story, but at least it didn't really have what I felt was a very satisfying end. The, the beginning was really strong. The mid was, was strong as well. The later part, while I did like what they did with Shima, I think it's not a complete story for him. It is a move forward. It's not a resolve. But it I didn't feel I, satisfying. It, nothing around Iwakura really happened. Most of what happened with her was in the mid to the third quarter. Nothing really happened with Iwakura at the end. It was just Shima, and it wasn't really a satisfying end.
1: Yeah, and the the silly thing with that is is his kind of drama they had built that up over the course oh, yeah. of the entire show. And so while it did feel like it gave some um some level of weight to what was causing the issue, the resolution didn't feel like it had a solid payoff. And and I, I, and I don't, it, I, so I don't disagree with you at all on that. And I struggle with saying that because I think it's a very powerful statement
0: because yeah. it doesn't always have to be a fix. It was literally him saying, look, I want to walk forward. Can you let me walk forward? Yeah. Like it wasn't him saying, knock it off, get down on my life. It was a, can I at least walk forward? And it even teases afterwards like, oh, but that's not the full story. Here's this kind of sob aspect of the other side of it. And it's like, are we leaving it there? <laughs> Are we gonna really leave it there? um Yeah, it's like I, I struggle with saying it's it's uh it's just like the story overall. It's unsatisfying. I do like what they did with him. I think it's a really powerful statement to say not everything is always rosy, yeah. not everything is hundred percent. You're going to still have some lingering aspects well, to this. And,
1: and even the, even that, just I put mean, a bandaid on the wound. It's still bleeding. <laughs> yeah. It. it even the revealing afterward, or kind of what was involved in it was, it was one of those that yeah I could see it. I don't know that I would it would it should get to that level, but okay. It so that's what happened. But at the same time, it was like, eh, I I don't know. It, it just it didn't feel as heavy as it should have been. And, and and that's but at the same time i mean that's kind of the i don't know that i would want it to be more heavier than what it mm. was yeah it, the whole it show doesn't that heavy, it, so. it would have felt really out of out of place if it was any more and heavier than that
0: the hummy the heaviest aspect of the series was around that whole thing with yeah. shima like every time that whole situation came up it was like what the hell happened between these two of these <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like my old going joke somebody had to have died <laughs> yeah the brother thing got me cured, the crying though. I I got the brother was, with The brother that, that hurt. I hate that what happened with the mom. That's that's. I think that's the thing that that leaves the biggest sour was that what happened with the mom. It's like again, reality thing. But it's, it's still one of those. Ah, oh, we are we gonna leave it like this? Are we gonna leave it where the mother did that? Like, ugh, it's it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Why are we leaving it like this? So much unsaid. I want things said, but um. That's life. That's a slice of life for you. Just talk, but yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was enough that made me really badly want to just jump in the manga from the point that it left off. But again, like I said, I'd I'd rather see this get another adaptation because BA Works did a really great job on it, and I want more. So we'll see. I don't think we've had an announcement for what's next for PA Works? Question mark, or do you remember anything? Hmm. I don't think we have an announcement for what PA Works is doing next. Do we? I- oh, it's that um, that movie. I think they're doing a movie. Yeah, they're doing that uh, that liquor plant one. I don't remember. Anyways, that's Skip and Loafer. Check that out. Suggestion. My clue's first friend is next. Let's go from wholesome to wholesome. Jijo wo tingo sei ga kuru. This one was streaming on Crunchy Robin for 13 episodes. Done by Studio Signpost. Sources of manga genres are comedy, Slice of Life. And this one follows a transfer student, Takada, and he's arriving at his new school and he's watching everybody make comments about this girl, Nishimura. They're calling her the Shinigami. she got like her hair over her eye. And they kind of mentioned later on that the reason they call her Shinigami and they tease her is because her eyes. And while everybody's teasing her and they're saying that she's cursed, don't get near her. She, if she touches something, don't touch it. Like if she touches the broom to clean the room, nobody else touches that because it's cursed. Well, Takada is different. <laughs> He sees all this happening and he immediately goes, holy crap, this girl's a Shinigami? I want her to curse me. That's amazing. And so he just gets stuck on her, like constantly. Hey, Nishimura, how's it going? You, you can curse people, you're a Shinigami? That's amazing. That's so amazing. And then everybody would kind of, you know, huddle around them and say, hey, Takada, you're new here. So you know, that girl's a Shinigami. She's cursed. Don't let her get near you or she'll curse you. And he's like, really? That's amazing. And he just immediately gets just, he's in love with that idea. Um, but, yeah, that's that's basically the setup and constantly people berating her and him just kind of throwing it back in their face by just sheer positivity. Uh, that's kind of what I kind of quote it as is just destroying bullying with positivity that Takara is. He's he's a good boy.
1: <laughs> Takara is, a he really is good the boy. ultimate good boy.
0: So your thoughts? What was your review? Your, your this final... Is too cute? I I can't. Oh yeah. I, by the way, Roxy's voice. Roxy, <laughs> um, Roxy gets bullied. Is the title of the show?
1: <laughs> this show is too cute. I absolutely love how much like Andrew talk, was talking about the destroying bullying with the power of positivity. It just it, it's it's just fantastic how he would just twist these. These situations into these weird um, kind of self-fulfilling uh, arguments where he's literally just turning these people inside out by going, oh, yeah, well, this and this and this. Oh, well, that's just amazing. And they're like, no, no, that's not what I'm you're So supposed you're saying to see that it is?
0: <laughs> you're supposed to see that as negative.
1: It, and I, I just love it. It, it, it was so well done. Uh, just the the picking apart the arguments was ab- was too much. But outside of that, one one thing that I absolutely love is is it, once they get through a lot of the um, the school school situations. This is a really feels like a very skit based type show. You get about three skits per per episode. It seemed like. And some of the uh, heart, heartfelt moments it really, really shined in this show. Um, uh, I, I think that you had mentioned it in one of your videos, and I I was absolutely freaking out about it when I watched it. And I, I think I texted Andrew at some point. The dad uh, moment was absolutely f- fantastic. I mean, talk about tearjerker. Um, absolutely f- phenomenal. Um Getting towards the end, I, I really did fall in love with um, Kasahara, and I, I, I was absolutely torn because I I really do love uh, Nishimura and, and Takeda as, as a cute little puppy uh, uh, couple, but I really, really felt for Kasahara, and I really did love how much she came around tor- towards the end of the show and and getting she was really the only one out of the the school that
0: was bullying nishimura that actually changed her ways i mean it it wasn't that she was you know standing in front of everybody and saying hey stop it but she was like okay this is really stupid and she'd walk away from it which yes you can argue is is overlooking it's just equal as is being a part of it but no she was she was actively changing which i think is a a massive change for her character i mean it was kind of one of those obvious things that you kind of seen that that was coming um, especially the op <laughs> it's like
1: op, OP is yeah i was like how are um, they gonna do that
0: but um but it's really sweet uh obviously the best way to kasahara's heart is a cat because <laughs> <laughs> she,
1: she can't fight <laughs> because the cat and then eventually um the the ending was got a lot farther than i was expecting it to just being honest um it it, it and it did it well. I I don't think it, um, I wanted to see more, but at the same time, I think it bookended well. Um, And, and I don't know how you feel about it, but it, it, it did seem like a real solid, right there at the, the tippy toe and, and, and dipping your toes in and going, okay, I can see where they're going to go. And I, I think it's a cute, cute end for that.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones where it doesn't really necessarily need to have like a time jump or something like that. Even though you kind of at some point go, I would really love to see a time jump in <laughs> yeah. this show, uh, because it kind of feels fulfilling in the idea that you 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 kind of know these two are kind of sold on each other very quickly. I mean, Takada has literally pulled her out of the darkness and is constantly staying staying every single thing that he likes about her on a regular basis. Um, at the on the opposite end, you really do realize that Takada really does, does like being around her. Um, I think the more surprising thing was having at some point during the series, have that realization point of what he is saying and, and how it sort of blew up in his face. Like I was not, that was the last thing I was really expecting it to get into. i like, at some point I'm like, okay, wow. Um, that just got really heavy with him and it's like suddenly he's just bawling his eyes out i'm like what are we doing right now (laughs) this isn't talking to why is talking to crying right now this boy is too pure he will forever be smiling (laughs) why is he crying i know it's a mask he's not really crying (laughs) um it was really a, a big shock for me i do agree everything around um her father was really fantastic i think the the, the the most crucial thing with Nishimura's character is that it's more kind of developing around some that has been, in, has been in sort of a dark state, having somebody sort of pulling her out of that, despite the fact that she's trying to help Takada by saying people aren't going to like you if you're around me, you know, go go hang out with them. It is really through his choices that he does like to be around her and her realizing that that is something that she can enjoy uh, was great. And yes, having that moment where she goes, I no longer have to lie to my father. I've always had to lie to him saying that I have friends at school. I'm always having fun. Now I don't have to lie about that more. And now she's yeah, sending pictures and I'm like, oh, it's killing me. Um, is really, really sweet. But no, I, I do like Takata as a character. I think that aspect of him dismantling things is absolutely fantastic. The example that I give is like in the first or second episode where the, this group of kids, which are, like, what, the grasshopper hunters or something like that? It was, like, this scorpion. Scorpions. The scorpion club or something like that. They're, like, you can come, become a part of the scorpions. And he's, like, no, I don't want to hang out with you guys because you're normal. i like, but Nishimura is normal, t- too. And he's like, he turns to Nishimura and goes, do you hear that? They said you're normal. <laughs> he just blows it up in their faces. Uh, it is super good. Now, I will admit, this is, like, my only real negative that I have for the show is that while it does that, it does that very well. There was times throughout the series that it got repetitive. Like there was times where it's like, okay, person walks up, says something negative, Takada blows it back up in their faces, and then they get frustrated and they walk away. And it that sort of becomes the stick for quite a while. But I do feel like it did enough to sort of shift things around. It was um, introducing Hino into the picture, and then later on in introducing Adachi, and then towards later parts having the whole thing around uh, Kasahara uh kasahara happened with it was another kind of addition also getting into Takada's family getting into nishimura's family they did enough to kind of keep shifting it around so that at least it, ke- it kept it kind of refreshing but i will admit there was times where it was like eh, I, I, this is like a little bit much um thankfully even though it, it does kind of deal with the aspects of bullying i don't ever feel that it gets too heavy there was maybe one part where it had this moment where nishimura literally realizes it's quiet. I didn't see Takada all day and suddenly I feel like everything's quiet. And then are kind of falling back into her old mindset of, well, that's normal. What am I, what am I saying that that's normal? I'm supposed to be alone kind of thing. Uh, but other than that, like brief scene, which was super heartbreaking for the most part, it never gets it too heavy. It's, it's a very bright, very comforting show. And for that reason, I absolutely loved it. So yeah, it's a very, very heart heartwarming, heartwarming show. It doesn't do anything spectacular, mind blowing, but at the same time, did enough that I really did enjoy every episode of it. So, yeah, um, I will say that the, the style, while I think it, it was a very unique style to it, they didn't really do much with the the animation, which was kind of a little disappointing as well. I wish they would kind of mix it up a little bit with the, you know, pr- perspective shots. It was a lot of close-up shots for the most part. And I felt like they could have done a little better job of, you know, giving, giving a little bit of a twist to it every now and then. But they, they kind of kept pretty standard with the animation. So what do you expect from a slice of, like, comedy? Loved it, loved it, loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. So check that out if that's interesting to you. My Clue's first friend. Let's jump into another show with some amazing animation. I got a cheat skill in another world and became unrivaled in the real world too.
1: No. What? No. No what? Animation was not this (laughs) strong suit. I'm sorry.
0: There's a joke. He got the joke. Um, (laughs) Isekai de cheat skill wo te ni shita ore wa... This one's you just wanted on. to do that i just want, want to do that i want to make it i want to make this somewhat entertaining <laughs> studio is millipins they did cop craft wake up girls Bez- the new berserk and tq so you know their amazing pedigree here oh yeah also um so much better so what so there you go too Source is a light novel. Genres are action, adventure, fantasy, romance. And the director was Shin Itagaki, who did So Inspire, So What, New Berserk, and Copcraft. So, same dude. And yes, the original creator of the source material was, of course, uh, Miku, who did Fruit of Evolution. So, there's the similarity in fat person, he set guys and becomes hot, skinny dude. Yeah, this one uh, follows a guy named Yuya Tenjo, and he's fat, as (laughs) I mentioned earlier, and his entire life, he's pretty much treated like garbage, like his entire family, mom, dad, sister, brother, all treat him like garbage, Um, all his entire life. The only person that treated him well was his grandfather. His grandfather was just super nice to him, and at some point, his grandfather passed away, and wrote his will in a way that no matter what the family could not get any of his inheritance it all had to go to Yuya Tinjo and so now Yuya Tinjo is living alone in this house that was left behind by his grandfather he's doing he's going to work doing school one day he's trying to get home he's trying to get to his job quickly but then he ends up getting beat up and so he doesn't make it to his work and then he gets fired and this all kind of leads him to this point where he's just kind of fed up with things oh yeah by the way he also saved some girl by yelling out at some bully guys that were surrounding her and they beat the crap out of him but yeah he he is pretty much at his last like straw like he's like this life sucks and everything everybody treats me like garbage and he's just like punching this wall in his bathroom and eventually this door opens up in the bathroom because you know how you put secret rooms in your bathroom yeah
1: that's where where, (laughs) as right behind right behind the mirror because you know when you get mad you gotta smash the window he just knew that
0: eventually you was gonna get mad and punch that wall Mm -hmm. i want to put the door right here Uh, anyways this door opens up and there's a bunch of weird stuff in there and he's like well grandfather was like about he liked to travel a lot and so this must be all the weird trinkets he found and then the one side of the room is a big door and he opens this door and it leads him to another world And immediately he gets these skills and titles and stuff, the master of the door and everything. And arriving in there, he's inside of another, like a a house inside of this forest. And it's got this barrier that's protecting the house and the property around it. And then anything beyond that is like this crazy, really difficult area of monsters. And inside the room, there's like tons of weapons and everything. He gets like tons of skills and power ups and everything like that monsters come near to the fence and he just like pokes them to the fence and gets like massive amounts of levels. Uh, and then when he goes back to home, his body changes into a really hot, strong dude. And then, so he's kind of going back and forth between the two worlds he's going in the other world, killing monsters, growing crops, all this kind of stuff. And then he returns back to our world where he attends school and everything like that. Eventually he gets pulled into this big prestigious university where he's brought in and everybody there loves him because he's hot. And eventually he runs into a supermodel and does a photo shoot with a supermodel uh, meets a princess in the fantasy world and saves her life and then she just becomes obsessed with him um, and then it, an assassin he, he gets an assassin too and then some weird bunny shows up and trains him but yeah your your thoughts?
1: Oh I have to have thoughts on this? Yeah I, I just, it doesn't require much of it um it was I right. <laughs> I don't know. I like the artwork. I think it was fine as a, as a goofy story. Um, I don't think it was trying to do anything, and so <laughs> that's damn sure. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really do. I mean, much. what what's playing what, on it? I mean, the the best that we uh, we could do is make fun of the fact that he does everything because he's hot, and he's I think hot. it's freaking hilarious. But when it comes down to it, it didn't. I I was not. I wasn't expecting much out of the show, and so I got what I was expecting. It so it it accomplished what it was trying to do. I I mean I was fine with it. Um, I was a little ir- miffed. Uh, in one of the episodes when we were, I was looking at scenery and things were obviously happening on the screen. Which <laughs> do were you like the part where he happening. goes?
0: He goes over to see the princess, and he goes to lift his hand to the open the door, and then like suddenly it cuts to his face where his hands held out. And then it cuts back over, and she's standing in front of the door like she went to the door. <laughs> and she starts talking to him, and his hands still has <laughs> stretched out. And then suddenly you hear the other girl's voice, and then it cuts back to his face again. He still has his hand out, and you hear footsteps. And then it cuts over, and the girl's standing next to them. <laughs> and then it cuts over, and he's still got his hand out. <laughs> I'm like, I, we cannot animate his hand coming back down this entire well, time.
1: I, I was... Um, we- I was talking about one particular episode where they were in the forest the you could clearly hear they were like galloping down the road and all I see is a a uh, a, a planes yeah there was nothing was in say. the planes and then they were talking dude uh, the night captain was talking to him They're, I'm still looking at the planes we have an issue <laughs> we ha- we're we're the camera turn the camera <laughs> yeah the the, the I was
0: joking about that it was like levels of uh, Wake Up Girls second season where it was like, we're, we're just not going to show anything, are we? Are we just, We're we just done. And then sure <laughs> enough, like the next episode was
1: delayed and then the next episode was delayed. I'm like, you guys aren't doing much. Why does this need to <laughs> that, be delayed? What, that, I know what happened. The cameraman, they were stuck. They were all watching Yuya because he was just so He's freaking so hot. hot. <laughs> and God, it broke so hot. The, the,
0: the director. They're like, are you guys done yet? And they're like, Oh, sorry, we were looking at pictures of Yuya. <laughs> get back to work everybody. Hey, no, seriously, get back to work. Stop take the take take him off of your wallpaper. <laughs> like checking on different image boards looking for hot pictures of Yuya. <laughs> it was so hot. he's so hot. He ruined the production. That's just crazy thought there. <laughs> um Yeah, I'm this is kinda of one of those ones where I came in with zero expectations, um and thankfully it didn't hurt me too much because my expectations were zero.
1: You, know, Honestly, you were really, really irritated with the princess. No,
0: that that oh, yeah, that sure. really hurt but you. That doesn't doesn't mean I can't get frustrated. <laughs> um Yeah, the princess is a is the biggest idiot I've ever seen in anime. <laughs> um, to give people an idea,
1: well, it's not like it. it's not like the 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 king or the any of the <laughs> knights or anybody <laughs> is like helping her in that process. She's just she's she's brilliant. She's a she's a bright and happy
0: true, soul. True to the <laughs> setting, they're not uh, not a very smart empire. I guess I get yeah. I, I guess you can I can go with that. <laughs> But no, yeah, to give an idea of how bad she is, um, he originally saves her because all of her knights are dead and she's about to be killed in this forest. He saves her life. She returns back to the kingdom and then immediately rushes back out the door with all of her knights having to follow her back into the deadly forest because he's hot and she wants to basically say that she wants to marry him. She gets out there and thankfully he saves her before everybody dies this time. And then later on, somebody tries to kill her. She tries to hire that person and... And then later on, they have another assassination attempt, and then she immediately jumps out and says, "Let's go on a date out in the city." This this <laughs> this girl. Anyways, um, but yeah, I coming on the show. I I wanted to expect that it was going to do something with the concept of yes. When it opens up, this is a guy that's extremely bullied, and it's very dark about how it's presenting it. This guy is going through absolute hell. I feel sorry for the dude. It hurts to watch. Uh, and then it gets to the point where, yeah, snap finger, he suddenly is hot. And I'm like, okay, I wonder if they're going to say something about this. At some point, I decided, no, this is not going to say anything about this. He literally goes to a school where suddenly he goes, man, all the people in this te- this school are super nice to me. And the entire time I'm going, it's because you're hot now. Are they going to say something about this? And it, it sort of felt dirty. Like, it felt nasty how it was, like, literally saying how great his life was now and how everybody's super nice to him in the school because they don't know what he used to be. And at some point I just gave up. Like I'm I, this is not going to say anything. And it was a, a lot of people that were saying, "No, don't worry. It's 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 totally going to say something." I'm like, "No, you guys, I'm not following you on no more. This is not going to say anything important. This is the writer of further well, Gr- evolution. You mean, you it mean, is wish ful- fulfillment 101.
1: Let's just accept that." You'd even asked me if I if I thought it was going to say something. And I at the time I was I was I was interested in what they were going to do with the um with the uh, the modeling the modeling agency, I didn't I didn't think that they there were really going to do something special as far as whether or not talking about him being fat and not. I mean, it just didn't feel like that type of show. Yeah. It felt like a wish fulfillment type show. Right. And, and that's what, and I, that's what I was excited. I was fully expecting. I mean, yeah, the modeling agency was kind of an interesting tidbit if they, you know, got into the modeling industry and since he's a new and upcoming model might be interesting especially if he's trying to balance between going over to wish fulfillment land and coming back and doing his modeling work and then going back to wish fulfillment land um but yeah it it, it obviously barely did anything with that and that was a little disappointing but other than that it, it i wasn't expecting it to say anything it just not didn't feel like that kind of show
0: well no the the, the reason why i say that is because early on it it could because it feels so dark like early on it was so heavy like it was super heavy and i'm like okay if you're gonna make it this heavy there's got to be a statement made at some point never does they they do have at some point way late in the series he eventually goes yes i cheated and then it just okay shrug move on i'm like for a brief moment, i'm like oh crap it's acknowledged what's gonna happen now Shrug, move on. Uh,
1: okay, that was a statement, I guess. That was, that was a statement was, by the way, I'm cheating. I was actually really surprised that he brought the, uh, I don't know if you want to spoiler this or not, but bringing the, the girlfriend into the other world, I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. They're, they're <laughs> it's adding more. She's like, I'm going to go but... use
0: your bathroom. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Shrug, okay, come on in. I guess since you're here, let's
1: walk around for a little bit. Because that, now that opens it up that he might bring more more of the other characters from the real world over there, which... I kind of got that sense from the OP again. Yeah. Spoiler OPs. But it, that that could be an interesting tidbit that they they do that. And, that, and that'll add more to his harem because you know he's going to have a harem, especially seeing how the princess and the assassin... He literally has like every female in his school's <laughs> after him. His sister and brothers after him now. Yeah, the brother. I mean, every, I, 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 it's only a matter of time before we get uh, every, the, the Yeah, mom and dad like, will <laughs> eventually come <laughs> after him.
0: Going <laughs> to eventually see out. <laughs> We're going to have a mill Please don't.
1: I can see the writer doing that. The dude's crazy.
0: Um, well, I mean, I mean, look is at crazy. how many
1: characters he gave uh, to the Fruit of Evolution guy. So There you go.
0: It's an eventuality. We all know it. Well, eventually, we'll have mom involved. Uh, what else did I have to say? Um, visually, yeah, I hate it. Um, I like the style, of course. The character designs are fantastic. These, <sighs> these, He's hot, obviously. But, yeah, the, the female characters are super gorgeous. Very unique design to it. Um, really did like it. That but then one when of it the... comes to moving it, it's just not going to happen. Millipensy is kind of a studio where they do some really detailed work on character designs. But the problem that comes from that is that it's hard to move them. And so what Milipinzi does instead is just doesn't move them. So it's just a bunch of like sliding stills that are, you know, well designed everything. And then whenever it does come to action, because it's Milipinzi again, Berserk Studio, it's all CGI. And it's terrible looking CGI. Absolutely ugh looking CGI. Like you would think that if they designated a model to Yuya, that they would have it perfected like this is going to have to look good we're going to use this a lot no his face was always so weird looking um and then yeah whenever it had any other kind of action happening it was just kind of sliding stills like that whole shot with the assassin where she was tying up some goblin in the air and she's like this this still is just kind of rotating and
1: and coming down towards the camera i'm like oh this looks so bad (laughs) it's one of it's one of those weird things sitting here when when you talk about how something looks and you're trying to distinguish the the difference between how something is moving, which we may, m- my jokes uh, of the the planes and Andrew's jokes of uh, talking about all the all the things that he's noticed and and then acknowledging that we I, I, I fully acknowledge I really did love the artwork of the characters. the car the character artwork was literally the one thing that of all this stuff, that I would say I love it. That I I love more than anything, as I think that the artwork is great. Yeah. And I, I think my other problem that I always had with Mel Penzi, and this was
0: something I discovered with um, Saw My Spider, So What? And I noticed it again with this particular series, is the, the one point that I point out to everybody with Spider, So What? was the scene where they had the throne room, a big, crazy incident happens, and there was like this whole framing thing that was happening, and they had to flee. And in that scene, I, I I think I went into great lengths on my video impressions of that episode where I'm like, I literally did not know where anybody was at in the scene. When you're having something di- very critical happening in a scene, you have to have some sort of idea of sp- a spatial awareness to where everybody's Depth. at in the room. Depth. Depth, yeah, I guess. But this idea of knowing where everybody's positioned, where they're at near each other, who is getting close to who, who is confronting who. Because it tell that movement tells you what's happening between each character. And this, I had the same experience, especially with the whole courtyard scene with the motorcycle gang coming in. Suddenly I go, yeah, this is this studio. They have no idea how to give you an idea where everybody's at. Because one moment I think that this girl is next to Yuya. And the next minute she's not. She's way over here next to everybody else over here. And then suddenly she's over here with these people. And I'm like, I have no idea where everybody's at. I don't have a sense of positioning of everybody. And thus, I don't know who's in danger. I don't know who's being attacked. I don't know this guy riding this bike through here is who that's gonna harm. And it it infuriates me because this is the second time where now I don't, again, I don't really have any expectations to this show. But it's another one of those situations where I'm going, because I knew when I watched So so Inspired So What, I knew that was a good story. I knew this story was good. And that's why at the end of it, I told everybody, just read the light novel. Like I I didn't read the light novel, but I know the story is good. And so even me as an anime only with so I'm Spiders, what I'm saying everybody go watch the anime because they butchered this. I can just tell they butchered this. And so it kind of makes me think the same for cheat skill. But at the same time, I'm not really seeing anything in there that's like, oh, this is cool. This is doing this, or this is doing this. It just comes down to, Wish fulfillment, that's not entertaining. I, I usually like a wish fulfillment show, but it has to have something in that it's entertaining. I sort of thought it might be based on the earlier segments because it had like all these stat screens pop up in the screen. It's got, talking about how it exchanges currency. So if you kill a monster and you grab you know a heart of an ogre and then you go to the door, it'll ask you if you want to exchange it to currencies in our real life in our real world. And it even goes in detail saying it's gonna make sure that the banknotes and everything, the numbers and serial numbers are all fine so that nobody can think that you're counterfeiting money. Like, it goes into great details to make sure that you're not gonna get in trouble. Um, you know, assuming that's, that's probably what happened with his grandfather as well, as he was just making money off that and living it up. Um, it has systems in there that could be interesting, but it just didn't do anything. And like I said, other than hot-looking girls and hot Yuya, it was just... Anyways, that's uh, a lot to say that I didn't like it. It's <laughs> a long explanation to say I didn't like it. But um, if you want to see Hot Yo-Yo, you know, check it out. He's he's hot. He is hot. hot. So, yeah. And I'm sure he'll get a second season. <laughs> I'm sure it will get a second season. Anyways, uh, let's move on to why Will ended up at the Duke's Mansion. Or Kanojo ga koushaku te ni itai ryu. This one is streamed on Crunchyroll for thir- twelve episodes, done by Studio Typhoon Graphics. The source is a manga. Uh, the genres are comedy, fantasy, mystery, romance. The director was Chunichi Yamamoto, who did more than a married couple. A series composition by Mitsutaka Hirota, who did Rent a Girlfriend and Bibliophile Princess. It starts out talking about this girl who was just getting. She's like working really hard to get to this one university. At some point, she was told to meet somebody up on this rooftop. And then right when she got up there, suddenly she got the message from the university saying, you've finally been accepted. And she's super excited. But then somebody shows up. She doesn't remember who this person was, can't really remember their face or anything. And that person just pushes her off the top of the building. Well, she doesn't die, but she's kind of transported into the world of a book that she's read before. And this book, essentially the opening segments of the book, the the opening chapter is about how this This lady, um, Beatrix, was it Beatrix? I think it was Beatrix, right? Um, The protagonist of the story itself returns back to her hometown because there her friend, Reliana, was murdered. And so the main character is returning back to her hometown to essentially figure out that she was killed by her husband. This guy married Reliana into the family and had her killed so that he can gain all of their family's wealth and what was it oil or something like that well the girl after she falls off this building is transported into the body of reliana and so she immediately goes holy crap i am reliana this guy is going to show up soon and he's going to want to marry me and then he's going to kill me so i gotta work really quickly to figure out how i can get away from this guy that i'm set to wed and so she's doing everything that she can to push him away even like going out hunting together and nearly shooting him all this stuff, pouring drinks on top of his head in the middle of a diner and stuff. But it, you realize really quickly, this guy is not going to let up. He's after her money. Well, one day, one day when she's at the ball, she thinks, you know, I can't get away from this guy. Um, I know that he's eventually going to try to kill me. I know. Let's just, let's just go on a whim. Uh, this guy, Noah Winwright, who is literally like the main male uh, protagonist character, the one that the main protagonist will eventually marry... He see he walks in the room and he says she's like, let's let's just try it. Whatever. I, I'm I'm up for anything at this point. So she follows him out into this courtyard and then basically tells him, I know your secret. Because in the story, the main character will eventually reveal to Noah Wainwright that she knows about the fact that she he is hiding the stamp. Which I'll get in that in a minute. Um well as her fiance shows up, she's like, I've been trying to get away from you because I am with Noah right now, and Winwright's like, night. Win night. What was I saying? Winwright, Winwright. Oh, well, he's right too. <laughs> but no, she kind of nudges him, and he goes, "Yeah, we're we're together. So go away. You know, get take a hint. Leave leave Lireliana alone." Um, this kind of proceeds to them meeting up later on, where she's he's like, you know, okay, tell me tell me what's going on. Again, like I said, uh, the main character of the story knows that he has this seal, and then he's he's hiding it. And what the seal is basically the, this area, this, this kingdom itself is slowly getting more and more into capitalism and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of, um, nobles are, people are gaining noble status by doing great achievements and they want to essentially stop that. The, the nobles want to stop them from rising up, make it to where they can no longer guarantee people, uh, be able to give people titles. And so he's hiding the seal so they can't put this new law into effect. And so she tells him, I know where it's at. It's in this graveyard. Um, you know, do what I say. Act like you're my, you know, we're we're getting together for a while until he gives up on me. And so eventually he kind of agrees to it based on the fact that she keeps kind of telling him all the different movements of people in the story itself just to kind of intrigue him more. So yeah, they start to, again, create this this fake relationship between the two of them in order for her to get away from her murderous fiance.
1: Um,
0: but yeah, it's kind of the, that's the opening of it. That's um, that's why she's
1: in Duke Mansion. Thoughts? You're not supposed to reveal why she's there. I mean, that was the whole point. What was like the, the second episode. Well, <laughs> actually, the first episode. <laughs> um, I'm of two minds. I really love this show. You have two of them? I have two of them. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I really love this show. I think it did fantastic storytelling. It did a uh, wonderful world building. Um, set up uh, an entire concept around the idea of the novel changing and how it changes, Um, the how things are shifting around her as the story pre- progresses farther and all, all that. I also but, did, <laughs> wait for the did we get a second season announced on this? Do no. you know? No, you know it's not going to get a second season. It's a female main character show. It's never going to get a second <sighs> season. I the ending of this show left me with a massive bad taste I it not that it was a horrible bookend but it didn't it didn't give me anything that I wanted out of this show um, it played up Beatri- uh, Beatrice massively um, and so you're during the entire show you're kind of wanting this kind of even if she was uh, an antagonist to the storyline, or a a, a a a secondary heroine, that you're you, she is something of a mystery in this novel, and and where where she would shift now that R- Reliana has effectively completely um, blindsided this entire story, and now. She, everything is shifting around her, you wonder, okay, so what does the main protagonist of this story that she's supposed to be living in, what it what does she uh, add to the story? And of course, obviously, this would be something that would, I'm sure it, it gets um, dug into in later novels, but as far as the story, it didn't get to a point where you could go, okay, at least I can see where they're going from here. What What is what is it that we're planning on doing and and actually make me want to go to the novels? At this point, yeah, I'm curious about Beatrice, but is it enough? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it did leave me with a kind of a bad taste. I wasn't not really sure that I am happy with it in any way, shape, or form. But that being said... All, all the rest of it was absolutely fantastic. I, I had a lot of intrigue going into it. Otherwise I wouldn't have left it the, the way I did, but I had a lot of tr- intrigue in, throughout the story and I really did love the interplay between a lot of the characters. I thought it was an absolutely goofy... Um, Reliana is an absolute sport. I love how she play, uh, just went from situation to situation with her kind of fiery attitude. Um Noah, I like him and I don't like him. I I kind of wish he would be a little bit more open with his own his own feelings. Um, the other characters, I I got a kick out of the g uh, Gisom, whatever his name was. Niki? Um, the the priest. Oh, the priest. <sighs> I know you didn't like the priest. I like that the arc, priest. That
0: okay, arc. I like the ending. <laughs> I like the ending of that arc. But yeah, that arc was.
1: Riff. Um. Riff yeah but yeah, all in all, i'm I'm like I said, I'm of two minds. I like it, and i, I hate the ending. It, it kind of reminds me we just <laughs> talked about this with skip and loafer. It, it's almost a skip and loafer situation
0: where it's like the ending isn't really satisfying at all. Um, this one more so than skip and loafer. um, and it's it's all another one of those things where it's like nothing really concrete, impactful happens with Ralianna, the main character. It more happens with Noah. <laughs> like Noah gets sort of a again, similar to with Skip and Loafer, a let's go forward with this kind of situation. There's a a question presented to him, what are you going to do? Everything's kind of wrapped up. What are you gonna do now? And he literally makes the decision. So it it sort of gives you at least a closure around Noah. There's nothing really around Reliana. Um but I'm a, I'm sort of in the same mindset where I I was super hot on the show early on. I was like, "This is going to be the gem of the season. This is the show that nobody's even paying attention to." Um, of course, there's a lot of people that are just assuming it's a, it's a villainous set guy. No, it's not. It, mm. She's not a villainous. We have a villainous. It's Vivian, <laughs> um, and Niku's allergic to her. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Niku is great. She is literally a character that dies at the very beginning of a novel. It's not an Atome game, um, and so it was a very interesting perspective to sort of give. It sort of is like an Atome game in the idea where it is a, it's it's like an Atome game isekai where you have the main character is in a other role and they're sort of taking over the main role. It is similar in that regard, but that's sort of where it sits. There is also the aspect of, yes, she does technically have knowledge of the world itself, but she doesn't really play off it much. I think this is kind of an ongoing issue that I find with a lot of these stories where they have the guy, the, the character is presented with, I know what the story is. Now I can work with it but they never really do. And they keep complaining about how they're changing it, but they're not really kind of pointing out how. They're just assuming, well, because I did this, I'm ruining everything, right? And I think this one did. This one sort of did bug me a lot of cases how it was handling that, because it's like, just stop bringing it up. If you're not gonna do anything with it, stop bringing up the fact that you're ruining the story. And it wasn't until like way later where she starts to really kind of, it it bothers her. And I don't know if that's just because it was adapted wrong, but it felt off how she was, seemingly upset with how she was ruining a relationship. I took Noah from somebody. I'm kind of feeling bad about this. But again, like you were saying, it's so much emphasis, several points, and especially at the end about the main character. Where is the main character? And it keeps bringing it up and it's trying to build it up as being this very important thing and nothing. They give us one brief shot of the main character. And I don't like what they're presenting with it. What they're insinuating with it, I don't like. I've never liked that in these types of stories. I, I'm i wondering if this will be the one that will do something different with it that I will actually like. And it's kind of why I'm really wanting to get into the, the manhwa of this. Um, because I've heard nothing but good things about the manhwa. So I'm sort of tempted, based on what we've kind of presented in agreement, not a good ending. It's not a fulfilling ending. It's not, Yes, it does have a sweet thing about the ending that makes you go, okay, this is kind of sweet, but it's not really a fulfilling ending. So my mindset is great start. I love the chemistry between Reliana and Noah. I think they're so funny together and they're so sweet together. They they have their moments together. Uh, whether, whether it's Reliana constantly, but he's he's a snarky jerk. He's a cold snarky jerk. And she's the perfect person to throw it right back in his face. Constantly, she's a spitfire. They're great together. I love their chemistry. And it's really what kind of pushed me throughout the entire story, despite having issues. It gets brutally um, grounded at times where you have those moments where Noah does something uh, arguably questionable for the sake of Rayliana. And you go, thank you. It's willing to say, this is really what this person would do. There's no sugarcoating what he would do in response to what just happened. He says, take them somewhere else. He says, don't take them to jail, take them somewhere else. And I'm like, thank you for not shying away from that because that would be literally what somebody in his position would do. Um, I like that stuff. And it wasn't until like the third quarter where I was like, okay, things are getting a little bit muddy now. You need to get something, you need to get to something really cool. And it felt like I was building up to something, but like I said before, well, Aspects around Noah feels pretty solid in the end. Reliana is nowhere near, it doesn't feel like anything really happened with her in the end. And so I do want more. Yes, I would love another season. I doubt we will get another season. Um, I've said it before, and I'll always say it. These shows that have a female protagonist that's not a shonen type of show, it rarely gets sequels. And I think the only one that's been here recently that's shocked me was Saint's Magic Power is Omnipotent. That was like, holy crap, this doesn't happen. What, is his Armageddon <laughs> so I don't see this one getting another, a, a sequel but I would really like it um hopefully one of these days if I have some time I would love to jump into the manhwa but yeah it, it's it's a hard sell unless you're the type that likes to jump right into source material right after a series um because it it's quite unsatisfying in the end um and honestly the last episode really did frustrate me in a lot of regards so but yeah that's why Raeliana That's why she ended up in the Duke's Mansion. Yeah. You were wondering that. Mm-hmm. It took a whole season. We finally figured it out. It, like I said, it technically figured it out in the first episode. <laughs> Dead Mount Death Play, uh, or Dead Mount Death Play, is the Japanese title. This one was streamed on Crunchyroll for 12 episodes. It's going to have a second part in fall. Done by Studio Geek Toys. Gross. Uh, sources of manga. Genres are action, <laughs> fantasy, supernatural, thriller... Director, series, composition writer Manabu Ono, who did Irreg- regular Magic High and Sword on Online. And of course, the original creator of the manga series is uh Ryogo, Ryogo Narita, who of course worked on da da and Bakano. And fate strange fake here recently. But yeah, this one uh follows the corpse god at the very beginning. And the corpse god is kind of huddled up in a dungeon, and all the all the the knights and everybody are in there to try to go kill him. You have their 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 hero himself is even sent down to this labyrinth to go kill him, and as he's fighting the corpse god, eventually, uh, this big like spell circle goes off, and then we cut to modern times Japan, where this guy wakes up as Polka Shinomuya, and his throat's been slashed, and he's like, "Well, why am I here? Everything looks weird." Kind of gives the indication that somebody got Isekai into this boy's body that apparently recently got his neck th- his, his his um throat slashed. Well, he walks out in the street and he's like, holy crap, this place looks peaceful. Everybody's happy. There's no war. Nobody killing each other. And eventually he ends up getting chased down by this Misaki Sakamiya, who was the person that originally killed him. (laughs) And so she starts to try to kill him again. And eventually she corners him inside of this, like, underground, this, like, this warehouse where, like, Yakuza guys go there to take out people. Um, And there's, like, all these negative spirits there. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the one that got transferred in this world, that's the kid with the slit throat it's the corpse god even though i seen that from the very beginning he summons a bunch bunch of skeleton hands and, and impels the girl and then thinks that she's going to come back alive but then he realized oh wait that that kills people in this world that's crazy and then he necromances her and makes her come back to life as a as a zombie and she's able to stun people if she chews on him which is funny but yeah uh he the the people that hired the girl to kill this boy that's in this world uh they confront him and he's like What's the best way to create world peace? Because we find out the Course God wasn't a bad person. He just wanted peace in the other world, and then the church, because he had this evil eye, wanted to hunt him down. And so he's he's gonna try to create peace in our world, our modern times, Japan. And he needs money to do it, so he starts to do psychic readings because that's the best way to make money. But yeah, that's uh Death Play. I need another season. I, I really, I need another core and obviously it's coming in fall, which is great. I, I do appreciate the fact that this writer's stuff just keeps getting adapted. I wish they would go back and do Bacano, but um, I, I do appreciate the fact they're going to do more of this story because I honestly never really get a feel of now. Granted, Da-da-da-da and Bacano. Yeah, I guess those two shows I was sold from the very beginning. This one, I'm not so much so sold on just yet. I think, I think Polka slash the corpse God is a is a lot more enjoyable of a a main character than I thought originally was going to be. be. Just because they've gotten so much into his backstory about how, yeah, he had this evil eye at birth. Most people, when they get the evil eye, it drives them crazy because they see the spirits. Most go to the church in order to get away from it or they serve the church. Others turn into necromancers. He turned into necromancer. And it slowly like over time gets into this kingdom that he was a part of and how he was hunted down. Anybody that was associated with him was hunted down. And he just wanted to have peace. He wanted a place where everybody would just be able to live. And the initial draw that I had was like, what if he just literally takes over our modern times world? He has the power of a corpse God. He, he should literally be able to take down any nation but no, he goes to do psychic readings. And and then he gets into Polka's actual family, the boy that he encompasses. He gets into his family and how there's all these politics within that. And then it does what this writer does best, but at the same time I struggle with early on. Introduces a crap ton of characters. <laughs> this writer loves having... 15 million characters and they all have their own factions and you're trying to figure out who is siding with who now granted there's only like currently probably like three or four factions that they're kind of building so far it sort of is hard to keep track of in a sense like i said before i can't really say that i'm sold on the show quite yet there's a lot of aspects of, aspects about that it, that kind of frustrate me one mainly being i hate i forget what his name was these the Basically the Joker guy. I I completely forget what his name is. Solitaire or something like that. He's just just, this magician guy. The guy guy that was on the screen when I walked in. He's the magician guy that escapes. and. I can see him being real annoying. He just talked way too much. It felt like the entire third quarter of the show was literally him just talking. And he's the type that just kind of says nothing while saying a lot of things. And I got... It made the entire last part of this this first core really unbearable. Hopefully, does they do something really interesting with his character? They they sort of put a really interesting stinger into the story in the later part of this first core that I'm interested in see what's going on with it. Because my assumption early on is, well, they keep showing the hero. Eventually, the hero is probably going to teleport in there and mess things up for the corpse god. They sort of introduce something, but it's not that. And it sort of has me intrigued as to what they can do with it going forward. Um, but with all that said, I, I I think the the bigger problem that I have is the main cast isn't that interesting. I do get a kick out of Misaki more than I thought I was going to end up being, getting a kick out of her. Um, but like, Takumi is boring. And for the most part, the corpse god is kind of boring. So it's it's way too heavily relying on other characters to liven it up somewhat, make it somewhat entertaining. So we'll see. It's a lot of build-up. It's a lot of introductions. I'm really hoping the next core really sells me on it. I think it's going to be probably the telling point, which I will be able to say if it's going to be a series that should be checked out or not. But until then, there you go. <laughs> Sorry for the crappy review. But it, again, it's technically a split core in a sense. So we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, that's uh Dead Mount Death Play. I'm actually thinking before the second core starts, I'm probably going to read the manga to get refreshed on it before then starts. Uh, because they cut a lot of stuff. <laughs> Apparently there's a lot of stuff they cut. Um, content reasons. Um, inappropriate stuff. Anyways, The Marginal Service, man, double whammy. Um, yeah, The Marginal Service <laughs> streamed on Crunchyroll. Ran for 12 episodes, done by Games and Dugout. Or produced by Games and Dugout. Uh, studio is 30, uh, 3 Hertz, And the source is original. Action sci-fi. And yeah, the script. series composition was Kenta, Ihara, who did Vinland Saga, Mirako-chan, and Uncle From Another World yeah this one uh opens up with a guy named brian knight ride raider he has a partner that ends up uh he's chasing down some bad guy partner gets taken out his boss gets mad at him fires him he gets an invitation from the united nations immigration bureau task force marginal service he goes there it's like some store with a bunch of oddities in it and then downstairs is like this meeting area for all the members of the marginal service it's been in black (laughs) it's basically been in black. They, they they find not just aliens like Men in Black. It's just everybody. In the. there's a lot of people within the world that are hidden from society that are the werewolves, the vampires, the aliens and all that kind of stuff. kappas And their job is to, if they step out of line, to find them, blow them up and then take them into captivity. Because it seems like everything they blow up regenerates, I guess. every Everything that's not human apparently comes back to life if they get blown up. I don't know. Because they blow everybody up. But yeah, it eventually gets into like the backstory about like the earlier stages of the introductions of aliens and all that kind of stuff. And every episode is some sort of, most of the time, trying to make some reference of some Hollywood movie. They they make, they make a lot of Hollywood movie references in the show, which are, in some cases, funny to sort of acknowledge. Like, at the very end, they, they acknowledge the Independence Day thing, which is funny. So, yeah. That's, um marginal service I'm not going to short code it um there was a couple fun episodes I liked uh Candy Hearts episode um I liked the later the the final arc I liked Rubber Suit which I didn't think I would like him but eventually when they really got into Rubber Suit I actually liked his character everybody else I just didn't care <laughs> everybody else I really didn't care um a lot of the episodes were extremely boring whenever I did catch a a hint of some sort of uh, movie reference, I got a chuckle out of it. I'm not a huge movie buff, so I probably missed a ton of movie references, but that's really what it is. It's it's just kind of a a spoof on Hollywood movies and mostly Men in Black and okay production values. It wasn't a, it was a decently looking show. It had some style to it at several points, but the story was just kind of, I think the story took itself too seriously. I think that's the major problem the show has. It, it has a little bit of a buddy cop uh, jokey nature to it, especially between Brian and Zeno having to be partners when they seem to hate each other's guts. There's, there's some comedy around the characters and the chemistry, but I think the story overall just took itself way too seriously, and I think that's where it kind of fell apart. Now, you can see it's kind of one of those ones where you're supposed to not take it seriously, even though it's trying to take it seriously. I just didn't feel that. In the end, it just didn't really feel entertaining at all, so... I guess if you're like a big movie buff, you might be able to get a lot more references there and enjoy a lot more. But in the end, it was just a very, not a bad show, but a very shrug show in the end that I did. Didn't get too much enjoyment out of. So yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's marginal service. Uh, you didn't watch it. I'm guessing. No. Nope. Okay. I don't want to assume the idol master Cinderella girls. U149. This one, uh, streamed on Crunchyroll ran for 12 episodes done by studio side games pictures the sources of the manga the genres are comedy drama slice of life director manabu okamoto who did uh Mishoko tensei from incarnation season one and gamers uh, so that's where that dude ran off to to get away from mushoko tensei apparently no anyways <laughs> this one takes place in pretty much this idol uh, company that produces idols for those who don't know it's the the group they use for a lot of the Idol Master uh, series, Idol Master, Idol Master Cinderella Girls, that big production company. Well, opening up this series, we follow them creating this new third entertainment section, and this is apparently something the president's... they, they, everybody that's in the company is like, oh my gosh, it's it's the president's uh, project. He wants us to do this. This isn't going to work out, but he said so, so let's just make this group. What this group is is essentially a bunch of girls that are brought into this one group and they are all under 149 centimeters. So that's the U149. And so they are all kind of gathered up. All these girls are excited because it's their chance to finally become idols. They've been trying to get their their debut and everything like that. So they all meet up at this one location where they're supposed to be. And then they contact this guy and he's a part of the company. And they're like, hey, do you want to be a producer? And he's super excited about it because he's always wanted to be a producer. But he's like a young just started the company kind of kid. Well, I guess he was like there for two or three years. I think I don't remember, but yeah, he's super excited about it. He rushes in there to where he's supposed to meet his idols and he sees all his kids in there. He thinks that he walked in on the nursery. (laughs) So already a bad start. Everybody, all the girls think that he's a, um, yeah. And those type of person around young kids. And he immediately just thinks that they're a bunch of kids in a nursery. So not a good first impression between them all. But what sort of sparks from this is that these girls want him to, not leave because they want him to make their dreams come true. They've always wanted to be taken seriously. They want to, you know, have their moment to be idols. At the same time, he wants to, you know, help them shine. So they come together to try to get them their debut. So that's sort of the opening segment. What sort of precedes this is sort of getting, like most idol shows, going to each one of these girls, getting a quick story from each one of them before ultimately in the end kind of focusing on what seems like the more main of the girls which is arisu tachibana get her story and then have like some big climactic ending at the end of it that's again very formulaic for idol shows and which i'm i'm fine with by the way i'm not saying that's a bad thing it's just that's usually what happens my only critique there is that what i give to most idol shows is that whenever i see too many characters i know we're not going to have time to really do anything with all of them we're going to spend most of our time <laughs> you know going to each individual character um so yeah what sort of comes from this is my perspective. Did you, I'm assuming you didn't watch it. No. Oof.
1: I wanted to, but
0: what sort of comes from this is my thoughts, really based on each individual character. And I would say that there's probably like three characters of their stories that I really liked. Adisu, obviously, they I think they did the most kind of development with her as a character early on. She's, I she's trying way too hard to be more mature than she actually is. She's a kid trying to grow up in order to be what she wants to be, be a successful idol. And so there's a lot of struggle there on what it means to be an adult and all that kind of stuff that really kind of struggles within her and her relationship with her family, uh, which I thought was a really emotional end to her story. My favorite, though, my favorite story. Well, let me let me wait. Let me let me hold off on my favorite one um media's episode was fantastic it kind of got into like live streaming they have one member of this um idol company she has her own live streaming that she does and media ends up accidentally turning on the live stream and then getting a bunch of super chats including from the uh the president himself um it was a super funny moment but it also had that kind of element of the nastiness of online, the anonymity and how it kind of can affect the streamer and all that kind of stuff was sort of sprinkled in there. Not too heavy, but just enough to give you that little uneasy um, feeling within the whole situation, which I really did appreciate. Um, I've always liked that kind of stuff where it sort of slightly touches on this is kind of this kind of makes you feel a little bit you know bad about the situation. Kind of similar to Wake Up Girls. That was the initial draw to Wake Up Girls was this idea of, wait, wait. They want them all to be in bikinis. This is kind of, this kind of feels wrong. Um, They sort of do that here as well, but it's very sprinkled. My favorite, Momoka. If you folks do not watch a single episode of the series, at least watch Momoka's episode. It was by far the best episode of the entire show itself. And it's probably, I would venture to say, it's probably my favorite episode this entire season of Cross. All the shows, I loved it that much. What they did with Momoka's story is really the idea of what is it like to what 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 does it mean to be normal? This idea that she feels like this is what she is, and then there's that that confrontation at some point of somebody saying, "Act like a normal girl." She's going bungee jumping, and so they tell her, "When you jump off, try to be a normal girl and just scream. We want something for the camera. We don't want you to be this." She's very like princess like. She's very. Um, very noble-ish. She's got that that verbal tick about her that she's very um, proper with her statements and stuff. And so it kind of makes her struggle in the idea of, wait, they want me to be a normal girl. What what does it mean? I It's, it's, it's that question mark. What is a normal girl? <laughs> um, but it ended on a very, very emotional end. It had a great scene with her at the very end. And the animation was super good. The music was on point. All of it was fantastic. It, it was just, I've watched that, that ending segment of that episode so many times it's not funny um it was it was spectacular it was it was on the levels of something that the my favorite idol show of all time is idol master cinderella girls and my favorite moment of that series was that last performance they had in that second core and it was super emotional and it's on the levels of that like it's just this great moment of overcoming something and everything hits on point the music animation everything hits you and they pulled that off with the scene so i kind of liked risa's episode she's just kind of the the daddy's girl she's obsessed with um she just loves her dad and she wants to to prove everything to her dad so that's kind of her thing you have the tomboy character you have the the princess character each one of them technically do have something significant with their stories just not all of them really hit me as much as you know miria momoka and arisa's episode um they're just kind of I mean, it's kind of the hardship that really I do face with some of this stuff. Like with Haru, it's a tomboy, so she doesn't want to wear a dress because she doesn't think she's pretty enough. Again, it's significant to the character, just not really significant to me. So it didn't really work as much. So, but yeah, that's that's sort of where I fall with this show. It it has some really good stories sprinkled throughout there. I think the throughline story was decent enough, which is typically building them to their debut. There was a little bit struggle in the background, the idea that nobody in the company wants them to succeed. Nobody wants to give them the venue to do what they need to do. And, you know, them trying to prove themselves to the company and prove that they're worth, you know, having their moment to shine. While at the same time, the company's sort of right in the idea that nobody's going to want to watch idols of, you know, <laughs> these, these nine, like, uh, like there are nine. There's a few in there, nine. Some of them that are like 12. Uh, so they're very young. I mean, this isn't your typical idols. So there's that struggle of would anybody want to watch a bunch of little girls? Which the answer is yes. <laughs> you want to turn them on. Uh you want to you want to protect the smiles, obviously. So yes that's sort of where I fit with the um U149. Um some episodes were pretty shrug. There was some really good episodes. Overall, I think it's a, a decent series overall. Just not definitely not up there as one of my favorite idol shows. There's still like a lot of them, like twenty two seven, Cinderella Girls and stuff that I would Recommend before this one, but it was solid, and uh, I loved more. So that's Idolmaster Cinderella Girls U One Forty Nine, Mashal, Chris. Did you watch Mashal? God no. <laughs> you didn't watch what Mashal? Uh, what? Mashal might Magic and Muscles. Uh, of course, this is going to have. Tell another me season why I should up.
1: have. Come on. There's another season coming. Oh, uh, I, I so let me hurry up and go <laughs> and watch it right now. Pause the
0: podcast. Chris
1: has got to blitz through it.
0: Thirty thousand times speed, uh, but no, this one's done by A1 Pictures. Um, like I said, there's another season coming uh, based on a manga. The genres are action, comedy, fantasy. Uh, yeah, the basic just just of the show is that this is a world full of magic. Everybody uses magic to do everything. Um, most people are you, you obviously know that somebody has magic because everybody has these marks on their faces. Um, but yeah, there, we follow a guy named Mash who does not have magic. He was born without magic and thus he was disposed of but he was found by his grandpa who has magic, but he was kind of not good at it. So everybody looked down upon him. The the society is so built around magic. So he basically takes mash and runs off to this remote village or this remote hut in the middle of the village where he raises mash uh, trains him. All that all mash does all day is just nothing but work out. So he's like super strong. And eventually it's discovered that, or his identity is discovered by the police of this place. So they hunt him down And the guy that's leading the group says, look, we're gonna keep hunting you down, but if if you want, you can work with me. What this police officer chief guy wants basically is to hone him because he's so powerful, because literally Mash can punch through magic. That's how powerful he is. He wants him to join this academy, get the highest rank, and thus get the status that gives him a bunch of money, and then he's gonna give him the money. So that starts Mash going into the academy. Which trains magic, but he doesn't he can't use magic. So he has to do things really incredibly with physical strength that makes it seem like he's using magic. So instead of flying a broom across the courtyard, he'll throw the broom and then run and jump on it. Or if they have like this whole what was the the Harry Potter thing where they fly the brooms and they throw through the the hoops? Because they have that in here too. Um crib, cribbage or Cricket? it wasn't cricket it was like cribbage or something like that no. Sp- civbage Pibbage Biv- it age it, itage it, it or something like that footage i knew it was it, it, it. <laughs> if you
1: would shut up for a minute i could think <laughs> I think
0: but yeah they, they basically do that and so he can't fly obviously so he just he like kicks his feet so fast he creates an upward wind gust and so he's just basically running in the air um and then he just throws the ball so dang fast and hard and curves it just Keeps getting him scores. That's the gist. And then eventually they get into like bad wizards, and they're always trying to take these badges from other people because it's, not, it's kind of like Spy Family where you have to get in a certain amount of these badges, and that'll get you the status of being the best of best. And so everybody wants his badge because he gets a badge. Yeah, that's 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 magical. It's essentially Hogwarts. Through and through, like they're, they're not even, they're not even shying away with how much they've copied from, um, Harry Potter. It's literally like so much stuff in this is literally ripped out of Harry Potter. And then you mix in One Punch Man because there's, there's literally a point in it where it looks like it's legit. Mash is mob and that's one, which does One Punch Man and plus he punches and destroys everything with one punch. It's literally the, the two of those things. One's mangaka and Harry Potter come together. And that's literally the show. For that reason, not much here for me to enjoy because I don't like Harry Potter. And I, I'm not a huge fan of one's uh, mangas. So that's where I struggle with here is I have a double negative here that this is obviously comedy and most all of the context here is going to be based on your enjoyment of the comedy perfectly clear comedy subjective many people are going to enjoy the comedy here i don't and so the fact that i don't like the comedy because it's not my style of comedy i didn't enjoy really any of this show i was really kind of hoping there would be something in there around the school itself that would eventually snag me and that's why i kept watching it but i never did find it so this is probably one of those series where i gave the first season a shot hoping that it would eventually grab me at some point it didn't so I'll probably just kind of back away and as it continues to adapt, other people enjoy it. It's obviously not my thing. But if any of that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. But again, you'll 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 figure out if it's your comedy or not based on the first couple episodes. I would say give it, you know, two or three episodes, because honestly the first episode, well, it didn't make me laugh most of the time. There was a couple parts in there that did make me laugh, but then that was kind of the extent of it. Beyond then, I had maybe a chuckle once or twice throughout the rest of the series, so yeah.
1: Shoe it cream. took me almost a to... shoe cream. What was it? though is it shoe whole... cream?
0: Shoe cream. Shoe cream. Strawberry. I don't remember what it was strawberry chocolate. This ending song. Did you go
1: something? I don't Stro-
0: know. Did anyway, you, it wasn't. Did you They said they said strawberry. I think. I don't know. <laughs> you wanted you wanted the song. <laughs> I was giving you a layup, Chris. Sorry,
1: I don't what? Know. What were you saying? Um. No. It took me what an episode and a half before I got the first joke that I was like, "Oh, I get that," because I, uh, because yeah, I, I, actually like Harry Potter, and I going through a lot of the Harry Potter stuff to see, basically Malfoy and and uh, and Snape being ground into the dirt. I th- I thought that was kind of funny. So, I mean. I could see where the the humor would be there, but it just the, the the muscle man thing just wasn't working for me. And I got bored of it real quick. And that's what it seemed like it was well, the muscle is in the name of the show, so.
0: Yeah. Hell's Paradise, our next one, or Jigokuraku. This one's uh done by Studio Mapa, these sources of manga. It was on Crunchyroll. I think it was thirteen, maybe twelve episodes uh genre action adventure mystery supernatural and they have another season coming uh the director on this one was the one that worked on kakagori twins and yeah this one takes place in like uh i don't know edo period or something in japan um I i forget exactly the the time period where it's like you know samurais and all kind of stuff and and shogunuts and all that all that jazz well at some point uh gabimaru the hollow which is this like really famous assassin is being executed well, they can't execute him. They, they try all these methods and nothing works on him. Um, there's this person that was sent by the Shogun to kind of find out what his true intentions were and she kind of discovers that, you know, you, you want, you say you want to die, but I don't think you really want to die because he was technically betrayed by his village. But um, eventually, uh, this attendant, uh, Sagiri, she tells Gabimaru, look, I know you don't want to die, so I'm going to give you a way of getting out of this. I'm going to, I have this decree from the shogunate that if you go on this expedition to go find this, you know, this elixir of life and you bring it back, you will have all of your wrongdoings pretty much pardoned and then you can return back to home to your wife. And so he agrees to that. They go off to this meeting where they bring in all of these criminals and each one of them has an executioner that is sort of their handler and they have a quick match because the shogunate wanted to see a bunch of them die and so they just started killing each other. And then the rest of the remaining ones get sent to this island. And this island is kind of seen as paradise, like it's the land of the gods or something like that. But anybody that goes there and comes back ends up being like covered in all these flowers that are blossoming from them. And they're just kind of alive, but not really. And so there's a threat of being turned into a walking flower plot, (laughs) a flower pot. And then there's the struggle with the creatures that are actually on the island itself, which seem to be like a mixture of different kinds of like icons and creatures of, you know, myth and religions. And they're really quickly. A lot of them are taken out <laughs> and there's, there's a sense that, you know, the criminals themselves don't really want to do the Shogun is bidding. There's other ones that want to do it so they can go back home. There's the struggle between the handlers that have to essentially each of the handlers, with each of these prisoners they're supposed to watch them but not get too involved but if the prisoner themselves decide to flee or do something bad their job is to cut their heads off and so you have that kind of dynamic between the the prisoner that wants to escape with the handler that's supposed to kill them if they do wrong and the problem is that the the prisoner can't return back without their handler but the handler can return back without their prisoner <laughs> because if they fail they die um, and so, yeah, this is basically them trying to figure out the secrets of the island, or the, the island itself, and try to see if there is this elixir of life, eventually getting to these weird creatures that are within the middle of it, and all the crazy stuff that's within there, so. It's just Boppa, action show. Moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, early on, I was a little bit frustrated by this show, because it didn't show any of the, how the fights ended, which frustrated me. Thankfully, after, like, the third fight of doing that, they finally stopped, and we started actually getting from beginning to end Um, as usual MAPPA crazy animation all that kind of stuff as usual great style it's very much so a a different take from MAPPA's recent takes it's very much more flat character designs but the animation's always still top-notch the visuals the backdrops everything looks gorgeous uh, which is kind of helps because if I can give Hell's Paradise anything it is just an extremely colorful and very vividly Interesting backdrop, Um, crazy faced insects that bite people and infect you again, crazy tall titans that are different, weird religious figures and whatnot, walking around. Um, And then, of course, the 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 beings they end up eventually finding in the middle, which were an oddity in itself. Style, visual setting, all that kind of stuff was really cool. And of course, the big drawing point for me for early on and kind of continuously through it. So I was very fascinated by what was this island. What is in the middle? It what is this elixir of life and all that kind of stuff. Gabi is pretty convinced that this thing exists because he was he's been told his entire life that his boss is his the the his village leader has had this elixir of life. They've seen him covered in tons of daggers and stuff sticking through him, and the dude's not moving. Um so he's convinced that it exists. But what is the elixir of life and all that kind of stuff and trying to figure out where it's at and if it even is on this island um i i think my biggest hang-up really is sagiri there's so much emphasis put on sagiri i did like her story early on and the idea that she was trying to perfect an execution her whole deal was trying to make the perfect cut so that those that is cut doesn't suffer they tell this whole story about the um it was like a a poem writer or something like that, that did some wrongdoing. And so he requested that he have, um, he be able to tell a story to the shogunate as they beheaded him. And the cut was so clean that he just kept talking. Um, it's that kind of idea of it's that desire to not put suffering upon those that you're executing, despite the fact they did wrongdoing all that stuff was okay, but it kind of just drugged out at some point. Like at some point I got kind of sick of Sagiri <laughs> and they just kept really harping on Saigiri. Like, Saigiri was so much focused on the show and I just wasn't really interested in her. Gavin Mario is pretty interested in. Um, I do like how they've kind of slowly progressed his story, even hinting at something really significant in the later parts of this first core. Um, all the other characters I did sort of enjoy. I really liked Chobe. Chobe and Toma, I think, were probably my my favorite most enjoyment of the show itself. It's just, it's kind of like one of those things where it's a Mapa Shonen, So your expectation is that you're just going to see things blowing up. And it it falls into that degree very quickly. This is just to see who's powerful in the other person. We discover new power-ups, people power up, they fight each other. I don't really, I don't expect there to be much story. And so when Chobe and, and Toma kind of show up, show up to be kind of a focus, I actually like them more because it was just brutally, I want to destroy what's in front of me. And when, when I just don't really think that there's going to be much story here and all the talking's happening, I'm not getting much out of it. At some point, I'm like, I kind of want to see these guys more because they just want to blow up stuff. And I just don't think they're going to tell a story that's going to be that in- involved. So I'm kind of, of two minds here. Visually, again, as usual, animation, everything, great. It's always going to be great. It's MAPA. But I don't think the story is much there. The characters are very hit and miss. And... In the end, it got very shonen at some point, and not that that's a bad thing. I think most people really do like these types of shonens. I just need something more if I'm going to be that entertained and to have a bunch of long conversations about something that doesn't really amount to much. Kind of frustrated me quite a bit, especially later on. So I'm I'm interested to see where it goes with the second core, but as it stands now, it was it was a it was a it was a solid series. But definitely not one of my favorites of the season, for sure. So, there you go. It's Hezu Helz- Paradise. Well, Gundam, The Witch of Mercury, Season 2, is our next one. This one streamed on Crunchyroll. Uh, ran for two total cores. Of course, this being the second season, so this is the second core. Uh, done by Studio Sunrise. Source is original. Director Hiroshi Kaba, uh, Kobayashi, who did Kiznaiver and Spriggan. And script work by Ichiro Okuchi, who did Kogias, Akito, the Exiled, and Cabinet of the Iron Fortress, as well as Skate Infinity. Um, I don't really want to get too much into this because we're in the second core, uh, but essentially it takes place in at 122, which is like in the it's like a futuristic uh setting where mankind's gone off in the space and all that kind of stuff. Uh they have these mobile suits, different technologies, different companies that develop mobile suits different ways of actually controlling those mobile suits, one being the gun arm technology where they wanted to create some sort of wave similar to prosthetics where you're able to sort of connect with the device itself. And that technology was then incorporated into mobile suits themselves, which at some point they realize is causing damage to the pilots themselves. So all the companies kind of come together to agree to abolish this technology. And that includes this one company. And in the prologue story, they basically wipe out everybody that was involved in that company. Jump forward, we now have Sueta Mercury is going to this school, which is basically run by all of these corporations that were making these mobile suits. And she is essentially going there, learning about mobile suits and all kinds of stuff. Eventually, meets Miorin, And um, yeah, the subplot storyline is around Sueta's mother, who seemingly was involved with that whole incident that happened in the first story, the prologue story. Uh, You kind of assume that she wants to get her revenge and the possibility that she might be using her daughter. And, um, yeah, everybody that's involved with each of the companies. There's a lot of, most of the characters that are in this school are somehow connected in some way or shape or form to one of the companies of this Begarit company, which is all these mobile suits, uh, mobile suit developers. Yeah, um, my thoughts overall, I think it was a solid Gundam series. It was a refreshing Gundam series, especially having a female protagonist character with Suweta Mercury, a very timid female protagonist character. Now, granted, there is other stories of Gundam that does have female characters. Please, Gundam fans, don't come at me. <laughs> I do understand there's other stories that have female protagonist characters. Um, but no, this is kind of like seemingly one of the, the, the more popular one, more recent one it really did feel like they were trying to kind of drive in a new audience of Gundam fans, which is obviously something that they want to do in order to draw new fans, sell more merch, sell more Gunpla, all that kind of stuff. And I think overall, I really did enjoy this story. I, I think I enjoyed the first half more than the second half, but they did definitely have some big reveals in the second half that we were all kind of trying to piece together in the early half. There's this big question mark around sort of this time difference that was sort of there and it implied a lot of things. There's a lot of breadcrumbing as to certain aspects behind you know especially the Gundam and whatnot that I thought came to a really cool kind of reveal later on. I like the beggaret company or Ben Com- I like the Bennet company concept. I like all these heads of the Bennet company constantly at each other's throats constantly trying to figure out way one way of wanting up the other person. Gundam's always been good at politics and backstabbing and people maneuvering around in order to gain power. And this one definitely did do this on a different level. Because with typically with a lot of the Gundam series, it's like governments and it is um, military powers that are constantly trying to one-up each other. It's always kind of a, an arms race with who builds the best mobile suit or who has the Gundam. <laughs> and in this one, it really felt like instead of governments, it is companies, which honestly, yes, makes sense because a lot of companies have power. Um, Typically in Gundam series, the power is in mobile suits, whoever has the best mobile suit. So thus a bunch of companies all building mobile suits, you would see that they're all different powers trying to one-up each other. And so I did like that kind of shift from your usual, you know, this planet or um, this spaceship or whatever, or this government to just the companies themselves at each other's throats, and I like that. It was a lot of, lot of backstabbing and twists and turns between each one of them that I really did enjoy. Um, character wise, this is kind of one of those series that they 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 did a good job on certain characters, but some less so. Myuren, fantastic. Um, Sadiq, really liked his character. Jule, uh, like kind of liked him. Prospera, obviously, as much as you want to hate her even early on. Uh, sadly, certain characters like especially Sweta didn't do much with. And that's, I think, my biggest stain for the show overall. It sucks that I loved all these characters, but not the main character. It felt like at some point they could have done something really, really cool with Sweta's character. She's always been timid. She's always been saying yes to mom. Mom literally tells her to walk forward. She walks forward. And this has kind of been a present thing. She's a mama's girl. She's a straight up mama's girl. And I wanted her to do something really cool in the second half. And I had these these inking, these little suspicions, like we could do something really cool with sweata Didn't really. In the end, she just didn't do anything. Um, she has a moment, but I didn't feel satisfied with her character. And literally she is the main character character she's literally the main character and they did nothing with her it feels like um and that's the, the i think the biggest stain this show is going to have in the end walking away from this knowing full well they're probably not going to make another season of it that was it wrap it up um it feels it feels super um unsatisfying with sweata but anyway but like i said everything else all the other characters great i loved all the i not love like I just enjoyed their characters and their stories and all that kind of stuff. Just not sweat done. So the ending was a bit lackluster. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, Did not feel like a very satisfying end. Um, It wraps up. It has a conclusion. It shouldn't feel like I got enough with. I didn't feel like anything sort of got resolved. You've seen that things are concluded, but I don't get to see like you even get like an after story kind of thing. And it doesn't really give you a, a sense of something happening because of this happening and that's where it kind of left it very unsatisfying in the end but it was a happy end i i, I was i happy with the end but just not satisfied with the end so that's uh mostly gundam to the witch of mercury go watch go uh back
1: to eating tomatoes
0: yeah tomatoes yeah go watch iron Blood orphans or wait the team or origin or something else but yeah, that's uh that's what of mercury switch mercury what god does in a world without gods or Kaminaki sekai no kamisama katsudo or kamikatsu is the shortened title did you end up finishing this one yep so anyways (laughs) it follows a guy named yukito and his father is this cult leader and at some point he's like son we're gonna put you through a trial to see if you're the next leader of the cult and they put him inside this barrel where he's like you know, stuck inside the barrel, but his head's still sticking out of the barrel and they throw him into the ocean and he's drowning. And as he's drowning, he's calling out to how much he hates religion and cults and all this kind of stuff. And he just wants to go to a world where there's no cults. And then he wakes up and this Arorado girl is yanking on his uh, his unit because uh, she read in a book, that's how it's supposed to work. And he wakes up and he's like, wait, stop it. And she cranks it. And to apologize for cranking his, his unit, she takes him back to her village where she lets it's him stay his lever. there. His lever, yeah, his his shift, his shift knob. Uh, takes him over there to to stay there as an apology, and he meets all the people of the village, realizing that he's been a set guy. He's like, well, okay, this has got to be like the starter challenge. So where's the adventure guild? Let me go on my adventure. They quickly put him to work working on the farms, and he eventually teaches them how to make wine because they have so much extra grapes and all that kind of stuff. And they all start partying because they've just discovered liquor and and uh, eventually finds out that this world doesn't have a concept of gods. And they also don't know much about um, SCX or anything like that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, eventually they go to the main town, the main kingdom, where they find out that this, the village that he's been in the whole time is like the rejects, the people that could not accept society as it's supposed to be, which is essentially a society that accepts death. And every now and then the people will be, Pretty much commanded to have to go to the center where they will drink a potion and in their lives. And this kind of crazy. Eventually, that decree ends up uh threatening several members of the village itself. He goes to save them, is about to die, and then he calls out to the Mitama that his father was pretty much leading his cult for. And Mitama shows up and she's like, Finally, Yukito, you finally called for me. I've been waiting for you to call for me. And um she she wrecks them all, but then we kinda find out that she's got no followers in this world, so she needs to gain followers so that she can fight against the evil societies that are threatening Yukito's new life. And so they have to do a bunch of things to try to get followers to gain power. Your thoughts? By the way, it's all intentional. It's all intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start the review by saying it's all intentional. Don't don't critique any of the visuals, Chris. It's all intentional. Oh. Uh, not, I don't, I don't even no.
1: care about the visuals. I I <laughs> I I thought this this show was just absolutely goofy. I I had a lot of fun with this show. A, uh, nothing nothing was held back. Um very irreverent h- humor all the way through. And that's its strong suit. I do like some of the character art. Um but yeah. I I had a lot of fun. It was a very very goofy goofy story. That's it. That's it. Sure I, I mean, I I'm a, I I, lay, I I just lobbed it up for you. Go ahead. Okay. Beat it up. Help
0: me out here, man. <laughs> no, I, I. this is definitely a show that early on I was pretty hooked on. I was pretty hot on it. I think I even put it in my top five of the anime of the season so far. And then it's kind of one of those shows that over time, it just kind of went down to 6th and 7th and 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th. <laughs> that keeps dropping off. Um, As the season went along, it's kind of one of those shows where early on I I got a huge kick out of it because it was just super raunchy and adult and it didn't really care about what it was doing. It was just whatever it can throw on the screen, it was going to throw on the screen. It wasn't apologizing for any of it. And I really did like that aspect of it. Um, I think the the breaking point and the earlier concept, too, is really good as well because I did like the idea of essentially him becoming his father. (laughs) Like, this is a guy that hates cults. He hates the fact that what his father put him through his entire life before this one was so revolving around his father and the cult that it just ruined everything in his life. He had a horrible time at school and everything. And so now when he's in this new world, he's now having to do that in order to survive. He's having to create a cult with Mitama at the center to survive in this new world. So he's using pretty much everything his father inadvertently taught him to breed a new uh new religion this new world that has no religions and there's the whole aspect of like kind of juggling how do you tell how do you get somebody to understand the concept of a god when nobody understands there's just no gods in this world so i it, sort of circumventing that with aspects of like well in order to gain the favor of these people all you really have to do is give them advancements in their technology and they'll love you for it it's not necessarily that they have to go there and say worship meetama, because again they don't understand what that means Uh, So in a lot of cases, it just becomes an aspect of making people's mindsets revolve around Mitama as this person that provides them with something. Not necessarily that it has to be, again, just a basic concept of religion that most people would consider. I liked all that stuff. I think it was really cool. Introducing the Archons later on was really cool as well. Um, I like the style of a lot of the Archons. Um, And then later on, as it went past then, I think it was about the point which we got to... I think Loki, the big reveal around Loki, um, all that stuff was cool. I, I I was very... I was decently surprised by the big twist of the story. Um, not that it was, like, mind-blowing, but it was a cool twist. And just Mitama's response to the twist being revealed, it was like, yep, yeah, that's what it I'm like, this is so Mitama. I love Mitama. Then that was... That was pretty much the end of how much I enjoyed the show. Like, beyond that point... I liked what they were presenting after this because, again, they sort of introduced the idea that there is all these archons, and now you have to get pow- more powerful than all of them. And so it was sort of a who can who can outwit the other ones by favor of the people, who can gain the most followers, thus have the most strength, and win in the end. I liked that setup, and then that was it. Like we got into the pretty much the sex cult and all that stuff was just. A lot of the humor there didn't really work for me, and that all kind of built up to the monster cult thing, and not the cult, but the whole monster thing. And it, it never had, it never got me. Ever since, the, like I said, ever since this setup for the archives, it
1: just never worked. Even though I was pretty excited for that concept, da, dakini was. I I did like the da, dakini Um, the Gaia thing was a little bit weird. I did understand what they were doing with it. Um, and that's, that's the kind of cool thing that, uh, I, I didn't really want to dig into this too much because the, the concept around the, these are different types of cults and what is their strengths involved in it. That was kind of cool. Um, but all in all it was, I mean, no matter how you look at it, the sex cult, was an excuse to have raunchy scenes in a lot of cases. Um, Gaia, I think that it, it, I would I I kind of want to go and see the mon- see if the manga it became as stupid, absurd as it was. Only um, well, passed which, the manga, huh? They passed the manga, they passed the
0: manga, and that would make sense because when they had this whole scene where the truck hit that one thing, that really big thing, when the truck hit that really big thing, yeah, and it turned into a small thing, I uh-huh. wanted like to check to see if that was in the manga. They were up to the point where they just got Bertrand backed. Like they just went to, they took Gaia to the main kingdom. That's where the manga was done. Now the English version, I, could, I guess the Japanese one could be further on than then, but yeah, Scan-laters are a little bit are pretty quick, so yeah, and they're not really translating anymore. They're just <laughs> they're just scanning English versions, so it's the Japanese one could be way further than that. Um, but no, like I said, it, it it just kind of it just fell off for me at that point, and that was about the point in which the animation just got worse and worse and worse and worse and no i don't i don't uh, subscribe to it's all intentional yes the whole tractor thing with roy on the tractor was funny and it was definitely intended um but everything else was just terrible cgi tons of delays and if you tell me that delays were intentional i'm gonna smack you (laughs) there was just it was a very very rough production overall um and i give them credit for at least finishing whereas a lot of other studios would probably would have delayed which probably would have been a good thing in this regard but it's obvious this studio's very new and they got a little bit in over their heads and they tried very hard to finish this and they did they did i guess good for what they had but the in the end of the day, i'm not going to excuse them for having bad animation quality if it's bad it's still bad even if it's intentional or not um but again i don't think any of i think everybody took that one comment about the the harvest machine on the crops with roy on it and said oh that means everything is intentional no it's not that doesn't mean everything is intentional it's just that crop thing is intentional everything else bad <laughs> everything's bad um It it took me until probably it was a little bit after um, they got into the whole love uh, cult thing where I finally realized what the problem is with the series. I literally think they wasted all their budget on Seiyu's because look who they had in there. Aoyuki is in there. Aoyuki literally is probably a double S rank Seiyu. Pretty hefty price. Who else is in there? Ryu Takahashi. She's literally like the top seiyu in Japan right now. If you if you're looking to spend a lot of money on an anime, you you look to Riio Takahashi. She's literally probably the most expen- one of the most expensive seiyus to hire right now. Um, who else was in there? Oh, um, Loki. Um, I forget what her seiyu's name is, but she's an incredibly good seiyu. She's probably an A a, a single S rank. I'm calling them ranks um, S tier. Seiyu because she's like the, the she's a lady slayer one like if you ever have a character that needs to be a lady slayer it's her um th- this is a massive cast and so my thought process is like i don't think this budding studio that's not pulling off animating this show very well is has got the budget to buy a bunch of Sayus. it makes me believe that whoever in the production committee told studio palette we're going to get you the best of the best Seiyus. And that's going to draw on viewers. And they probably were banking on v- Seiyu's alone. That's my current theory that I'm running with right now. So that aside, though, um, good first half never really looked that great, especially the second half. The story kind of fell off for me and the humor fell off for me in the second half. But overall, it was a it was an entertaining show in the end. And um, Mitama was still fantastic. I, I I think a lot of my enjoyment kind of also left in the later parts because Mitama just became like. All of her joke was all the time was just being drained, sitting on the corner. And a lot of my enjoyment early on was Bitama. I thought she was great. So there you go. That's uh, Kamikatsu. Check that out. That's interesting to you. What else we got? We have two more. Almost there, Chris. Insomniac's After School. Kimiwa Hokago Insomnia. This was stream on High Dive. Was done by leaden Films. Of course, we did uh, Call of the Night, which I think is apt for this one. <laughs> Sources of Manga. This is our romance slice of life. Series competition by Rintaro Ikeda, who did Seven Deadly Sins. And this one opens up with a guy named Nakami, and he has a massive case of insomnia. Every night, he's unable to sleep. He goes to school. He has massive headaches. He's grouchy, trying to find somewhere in school to hide away and sleep. At some point, he hears a story about this uh, ghost story about the, the observatory and the school that's kind of closed down. They don't even have a club for the... Uh, astrology club anymore astrology right
1: astronomy astrology astrology right not astronomy astronomy is astronomy yes really astrology is is the looking in the stars for what's happening reading the stars reading the stars
0: but anyway they don't have a club at the school anymore um but no they he was sent up there to get some boxes because they have it's, it's basically using they're using it for storage anymore so he goes up there to get some boxes and he comes across magari who is one of the, the kids in his class And she is sleeping in one of the uh, tipped over like lockers. (laughs) And she wakes up and she freaks out and she goes to leave. But then she realizes, oh, wait, you closed the door, didn't you? Uh, It doesn't open from the inside. So he has to call his friend who knows about his insomnia to kind of help that he'll keep a secret that she was up there. And he lets them out. And the thing that kind of happened while they were waiting for this guy to show up is they fell asleep. And this is something they've always kind of been looking for. So there's like a little bit of an element of questioning, okay, are they comfortable with each other enough that they can sleep near each other? So maybe they can find a bond there. That's sort of what happens going forward is Magari knows that she finds comfort being next to Nakami. And so they start, she creates this kind of getaway at the middle of the night kind of thing. Since the both of them can't sleep at night, they'll hang out at night in the town and you know do fun things. And then during the day, they'll essentially restart up the... The club and hide away in there and get their sleep during the day, and that kind of turns into their slowly developing um, friendship and whatnot. And then, yeah, at the same time, Nakami is getting into having to do a lot of stuff around the club itself because the teacher discovers this and forces them to actually open up the club. And so now, he, now he has to sort of figure this stuff out. And initially, he gets in, he gets into photography because his father bought him a camera at some point, and he wants to take pictures of of uh, the night sky and stuff so that becomes a focus for a while and then yeah at some point they want to start up a uh a viewing of a, a a meteor shower so your thoughts didn't watch it you didn't nope Oof, chris Oof. Oof,
1: chris um it, 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 it you know, i wasn't gonna do it and we already discussed it we <laughs> the, the the it was too, the flags were too I strong
0: i forgot about the flags yes okay chris i'm sorry i forgot about the flags which never stops yeah um i love the show i thought it was a very beautiful show um beautiful characters beautiful writing beautiful presentation everything on point um i i think there is a There's something special about two people struggling with something that other people don't really understand fully and trying to find somewhat comfort in each other, experiencing it together and trying to figure out ways of remedying it. And that was really kind of the the initial draw between Magari and Nakami early on was that insomnia and just finding joy, just hanging out when normally they would be at home suffering. And that kind of blossomed into a really cool relationship between the two of them that I, I really did truly adore. Um, obviously Magari is way too freaking cute. <laughs> her design is way too freaking cute. And I just love her personality. And while Nakami at first seemed a little bit blah, he definitely transitioned into a character that I I did truly like as well. So this the two of them were just this budding relationship that I just I wanted the the world for them. Uh kind of surrounding that is a lot of other characters that I I think is probably my only Not so much a negative because I don't think it spent too much time with them that it felt like a waste of time. But a lot of the side characters, I feel like they didn't really do too much with. They were kind of just there to support the main cast in Nakami and Magari. Um, I think the only one that I felt was a little bit of a downer was definitely uh, Shinomaru. uh, Shinomaru. They spent a lot of time around Shinomaru, and I didn't really feel like enough came out of that. Shinomaru. Shidomaru ended up being pretty much the avenue for teaching Nakami about photography of of the night sky and stuff like that. But a lot of that stuff around that didn't seem to do much, which was kind of a letdown. It had a great ending to it. It felt very satisfying with where it kind of went with the later parts of it. Even though it is technically still an ongoing manga, I felt like the ending was a very, very satisfying ending. Um, which is very shocking because I can feel a story like this leaving on a note where not much is really resolved, but they, they definitely did pull it off. I do agree with Chris. I I don't blame Chris for why he stopped. I'm not going to get too much into details on what that is. But yes, there is a ongoing hint on a regular basis that I really wish wasn't there because Honestly, for me, at some point, I felt like, do I really want to keep watching? Um, but I, that was really frustrating, and I and I really feel like it's it's a little bit cheap to throw in there constantly and keep harping on it. But in the end, it didn't really ruin the experience for me. Um, like I said, it had a really really fantastic end to it. So very beautiful show though. Laden Films, perfect studio to to do this. I I think they did an incredible job with Call of the Night. Um, they nail. The visual aspects of the night and there's a lot of scenes with this series where it's at night and um their visual design came through and they nailed like i said they nailed the character designs they look fantastic so really great slice of life uh this season or this season is definitely super strong on romance slice of life and this was another another case of that so yeah if you're looking for a i mean this is like i think was my i can't remember was it my third? I think it was my third favorite of the season. It's really good. It's a really good show. I I would... I kind of want more, but I don't really want more based on what we're talking about. And our last show is In Another World with My Smartphone, second season. Go, Chris, because I have nothing on this. A kid, a kid gets C sec guide, and he's mm-hmm. given his phone that works in the other world, and then he gets a
1: harem. Yeah, pretty much. Um... I'm actually kind of surprised on this one. Um, we, um, it's 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 the same harem that it was in the first season. Um, second season, we're still adding more characters to the harem. I mean, in this season alone, he has added at least seven more girls to his harem. <laughs> so, it, in total, the guy has now like fourteen girls or something like that. It, but. What I do find amusing about this show is that it actually is starting to kind of pull some things together. This is understand I'm not I'm not overstating this. This is a power fantasy. It's not that nothing is all that deep. Um but it is interesting that it is starting to pull together this kind of um structure of a um some world building that they're actually pulling together. We were, we're uh, getting a little bit more into the kind of main antagonist per se, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're actually starting to pull together a kind of a quest type thing because he's, he's now bringing together all these parts to the, the stuff that he had, Kind Of they kind of did at the end of the last season, but it wasn't really, it was like okay, just an excuse for him to have uh harem members, whatever. Um, but no, they're actually pulling these things together, and it's actually kind of interesting to see this stuff kind of pull together. Um, but yeah, more fun, goofy fun, more girls, more, um, uh, more harem hijinks. Um, all there, it's it, it is fun, but they pull it together though. Yeah, they pulled it together. They, the they're they're they pulling, pulling together. these big old massive the islands. They were pulling together. These, they're pulling together. They're they're pulling these sky islands together, and they're making in. They're docking. Docking. <laughs> they're docking. Docking.
0: <laughs> well, it's fascinating. Harem pulling things together. That's a uh, smartphone too. Great, great stuff. And finally, just quickly, like I said, this is kind of a mid-season. It's still ongoing. going. Sacrificial Princess and the King of Beasts is still running on into the next season, essentially following a girl named Sari who is sent to the beast. There's, like, the, this divide between the mankind and the beasts, and they've got, like, this truce going on. But there's one thing that is a part of this truce, and is that the mankind have to send on a regular basis a sacrifice to the beasts um, just to kind of keep the mankind keep mankind knowing that the beasts are supreme. And the way they do that is offering a sacrifice to the beasts on a regular basis. Sari is one of these. She goes there. Um, she's put before the king of the beasts who basically says, all right, um, you're going to be a sacrifice here soon. And she just kind of speaks her mind. And this upsets the the king of beasts because, you know, she's supposed to be trembling and she doesn't seem to be scared of him, which kind of piques his curiosity. Uh, eventually he kind of brings her off the side and she kind of, you know, states that she knows that he's kind of faking it, that he's not really, he's not really a mean person. He's just trying to put on this, this face that he's mean. Uh, eventually it comes to the day of the sacrifice itself where she discovers his secret that this king of the beasts is actually part human and he doesn't kill any of the sacrifices that are brought to him. He actually lets them escape. But Sari, her whole life has been being raised to be a sacrifice. We kind of find out that she was adopted into the family that she was a part of because her family wanted to prevent their real daughter from being a sacrifice. So they adopted her and raised her to be the sacrificial replacement. And so her whole life, because she discovered this early on, that they because they were talking about this in secret and she overheard it, her whole life she's been waiting for this day like her whole life has been built to this moment so she's very accepting of it and so she decides that based on what she's seen of what the king was doing how strong he is despite the fact that he fears that he's a failure of a king that she'll support him that she will still be his sacrifice by sacrificing her entire self to being with him and so he accepts her and he decides that he's gonna marry her and that's not too happy for the people the beast they don't like humans, and so it kinda of turns into Sari having to prove herself to everybody else, just like she's technically proven to the king of the beasts, which she calls Lionheart. And um Yeah, the the main the main problem they have is that the every single one of the kings of the beasts are all kind of uh, assigned somebody to this one family, which this current one is Anubis. And Anubis wants nothing to do with a human being at his side. He just knows that nobody's gonna accept a human being at the at the king's side so
1: yeah sari has to prove herself to everybody so what are you thinking of it so far i absolutely love it okay. i i i love sarafi i love uh leo i i absolutely love how much i like how you say sarafi's whole name but then you say leo's short name <laughs>
0: <laughs> leon hot <Hart.
1: Leon-a-hat-o. laughs> No, I, 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 think it's absolutely fantastic. There's some really well done uh, world building involved with the families, um, the uh, the even the, a lot of the the side characters and how they interact with each other. In in particular, Emmet, and how she is in love with uh, what was his name, Jorgemon? Um, yeah, so. Each one of these characters are all in interplaying into this this story of um kind of helping Sadafi uh uh pull together all of her things that she needs to do with this constant uh like uh, like Andrew was saying, this this proving that the she trials. is she is she is worthy of the of of being at the side of Leonhardt. Um I I do kind of i i do kind of like a uh the anubis yeah okay this is his name um <laughs> <laughs> it's literally his <a> name <laughs> well yeah, i was trying to remember i guess it is his name i i all i all i remember is his kind of weird he's he's like in so much denial it's it's like seriously get over it sindede he's so sindede he's, he's always covering up that blush <laughs> with that cloth <laughs> he's always in the backstory was pretty cool he is he, i i really do like him i i think that he is absolutely a brilliant character for an opposition to satafi uh as a because you know that deep down it, all of his thing is he wants to help out um leonhart and and so he thinks that this is a bad thing her being there and he's trying to he's trying to prove it. It's not necessarily a undermining her although he says he wants to kill her and all that stuff. But when it do- comes down to it, it's not that that he wants to do. He wants to help Leonhardt. And I really like that kind of balance. The the balance of holding him as a kind of a good character even though he's technically doing the thing that you really don't like. So I I I Like I said, I really love this show. I I think it's doing fantastic. I love a lot of the shots. Um, A lot of character uh, moments are really fantastic. I think it's just a brilliant show. Love it. I'm pretty much much on the same boat. I
0: I really love the chemistry between all the characters in the show itself. I think Sadafi is super good. I I really love her character. I love how she's really shifted Lanhart's mood very quickly. I, I think in the... There's obviously that unsettling feeling in the first episode with how like overbearing Linhart is, but I just love how she just quickly, so quickly dismantled it and turned him into a really enjoyable character that I just, he's a big softy now. He's like, he's literally yeah. a big softy, but he really is, he is the, he is the, the papa bear almost like if, if something goes down, he's going to be the first one to jump out there bearing teeth. Um, I really love his character and I loved how he's changed so far. Um, and I think it's very easy to get so focused on Sodrophy and not see how significantly um, Lena Hart's character has changed. Um, I love all—I love most of the side characters, especially Anubis, even though I—I I, I hate him at the same time. <laughs> um, I, I think several of the other characters I haven't really done too much with, though. I'll have to admit. I think my only—I—I I, I enjoyed the earlier segments. I love the whole segment with Soddy pretty much returning to a an outside village for a brief time and what that sort of introduced for her character and her future i thought it was super heartbreaking but then at some point i sort of realized that it kind of falls into a formula and that's the only thing that i'm sort of fearful of the show at this point halfway through it um unless they get more seasons where we're pretty much knocking out a chapter per episode and there's a lot of chapters i think I don't know, it's like 80 or something like that. I don't remember exactly how many chapters are currently out. So we're not going to get the whole story, obviously. Um, I hope so. Hopefully hopefully they adapt the whole thing in the end. But I think the current moment right now with this season, these two cores, what my current fear is halfway through this one is getting too stuck in that formula where it is every episode, Sadafi has to prove herself to somebody. And then that person comes in, they don't like Sadafi. And then Sarafi has to do something in order to prove herself to them. And then they love her. Next episode. Here is this person that doesn't want Saria around. she got to prove herself to them. Eventually, she wins them over. Cut to the next episode. Here's the next person that doesn't want Sarafi. <laughs> and at some point, it's, okay, now we're going to focus on An- Anubis and how he doesn't want Saria around. Well, okay, will she over? Will she win him over? It it got formulaic at some point. And so it got me a little bit fearful um the last episode I watched, which I think is eleventh or twelfth episode, uh, was a really great episode. So it the kind daughter, of restored a lot of my hope for it. The daughter and the son? It was the one where um he was supposed to go to a ceremony and he had problems. So no. So yeah. Did
1: you see the did you see the, the daughter and the son? I don't know what you're talking about, so probably not. The christening. Probably not. The blessing. Probably not.
0: So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much where I stand right now is I have my fears, but I, I hope that it um, I'm hopeful that it's going to fix it. I I think visually it looks great. Um, There is a lot of like background, very plain backgrounds here and there. They reuse a lot of areas, obviously, because they're in a the castle and sorry, they can't go anywhere. Um, But I, I mean, for what kind of detail they're giving a lot of these kind of beastial characters where most studios would probably just settle on just making everybody CGI <laughs> is great. It's like, hey, look. Uh, people can draw <laughs> beast characters and not make them CGI, uh, which I do appreciate. So, but yeah, um, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm hopeful for it. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. But that's um, sacrifice of Princess*. There you go. That's it. That that wraps up the spring 2023 anime season. We can finally leave it behind. Um, we'll see. We'll see where summer takes us. But we hope you guys will join us for summer. Um, thankfully, it'll be a less packed season than the last two seasons but um yeah we'll we'll be checking that out i i'm guessing i don't know if next week we'll be doing our music episode we might just do a quick discussional then do a music episode and then first impressions but we'll we'll see we'll see where things land in the week because we're still kind of technically kicking off a few shows this week so i'm not sure if i we'll have music for everything so but we'll we'll see. But uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this this reviews of the spring season. As usual, we're at talkaspeare.com That's where all of our links are, for our social media links, all that other stuff. Ways to support us: Patreon. Uh, if you're on YouTube listening to this, you can become a member of the channel. Greatly appreciated by that supports the channel. It really does mean a lot to us. And those that uh, stick around for the podcast, even though we have in ads now, which are helping out as well. So that's been a great great thing there as well. So, but yeah anything else to say chris i usually like just wrap up the episode and all you get is an ose but did you want to say anything in parting? did you want to say goodbye to the spring season freaking awesome zomb, zombie show zom 100 there you go zoss <laughs> zoss Zos, zossom you almost say zossom no oh that would have been funny yeah thank you appreciate that chris <laughs> yeah i'm gonna kind of throw off like i thought we we're gonna wrap up the season but you're like oh the next season uh but yeah uh we thank you guys for listening we hope you guys enjoy
1: it. and y'all take care Oh, s-